So uh, thanks for coming on, man. Um, from the looks of it, you're a very busy guy. You're a Marine, three kids, and that's a lot going on. And, I mean, your trips seem like they, when you go shooting, they seem like they take a lot of time, right? Yes. Yes, they do. So, like, do yeah. you, do you, is it legitimately, like, I've, I've seen, like, you actually, like, camp out? Or, like, how do you get all these amazing shots of the bighorns? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, I've camped out a few times. Um, sometimes, depending on the location uh, and where I'm going, um, which are multiple areas in Montana, um, and also out of state as well. Not not so much, um, but here and there. Either way, um, yeah, these times where I do go out, sometimes I do camp um, living where I live. Uh, I live in Bozeman, Montana. Um, so it's very central to all these kind of locations. So I will say that sometimes it does require me depending on where I go to like camp out. Um, but due to my location, uh, sometimes it's just a matter of kind of treating it like the way you do hunting, where you get up real early in the morning, you know, three, four o'clock, you know, get all your shit together. Um, and then, you know, you're able to go wherever you need to go and be there within you know, a, a reasonable amount of time, but yeah. So like these shots that you get, are they mainly early in the morning shots or like they're all throughout the day? Um, it, it depends. Uh, so I like to try to look for, over, so first is I like to try to look for overcast days. Um, what overcast does is it, it kind of is like having a, uh, a diffuser in the sense of like, when you go to a, uh, like when you go, I don't know if you remember, cause it's not really a thing anymore, or at least, uh, as often as I remember it growing up, but like you go to like a, a portrait place where they take like professional pictures, let's say of like you and your family, you know, everybody yeah. has those family portraits. Everybody has those family portraits that they laugh about, you know, <laughs> yeah. when they're kids and they're wearing the sweater and all that kind of stuff. Oh man, they were uh, so, so bad. Yeah, man. You know, and, and it's funny cause you know, I think about it now and you know, I, I kind of implement the same kind of strategy that they use and, and they use uh, what's essentially called, it, it's a diffuser. And what it does is it is it spreads the light out when they take the picture. And what that does is that that takes the, um, that takes away the possibility of having any harsh shadows. Um, mm. So there's, uh, so there's areas in the picture that are super bright and then really dark. Um, and some people like that. And I, I personally don't like it. Um, I think it takes away from the detail of the animal in the sense of I want to see everything on the animal as much as I possibly can in the picture. Um, not that every shooting day is is at, is what I'm looking for. So the reason I'm saying all this is because so typically for me, um, first thing I look for is overcast days because the sun and the clouds kind of acts as a diffuser. Um, and if you go outside on an overcast day, you'll notice that there's no shadows or at least harsh shadows, especially if you're talking about like somebody just standing outside, um, you'll realize that there's really no shadows at all. Um, so that's the first thing that I look for is overcast days. So when I'm like looking for a day to shoot and I'm like, okay, you know, um, and by the way, I, I like to tell everybody this, I don't do this for a living. Um, this is not what I do for a living. This is a hobby for me. Um, I don't want to say hobby. I guess it's become more serious than a hobby, but essentially it's still a hobby. Um, I do this pretty much out, out of the enjoyment of, of, you know, being outside and, and being outdoors in the mountains and things of that nature, um, as well as my, uh, 
you know, attraction to, to big horn sheep. But, um, I just wanted to put that out there because everybody always asks me that question if I do it for a living and no, I don't. Um, so it's like a passion project for you. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it just, it started, it started a while back. You know, I've always been, had this like big fascination with big horn sheep and, um, you know, just always seeing, you know, I didn't, I didn't always see them, but you know, uh, being in the Marine Corps and stuff. So I trying to like not jump into too many subjects being in the Marine Corps and stuff. I was never really around bighorn sheep because there's really no Marine Corps base that's anywhere near like the Rocky mountains or, or anything of that nature. Um, so it was always a passion of mine, especially growing up. I always like animal documentaries, you know, it was always a, a big thing for me growing up. You know, I grew up hunting and things of that nature. So animals, at least wild animals have always been very much a part of my, of my, uh, uh, the fabric of, of what is me as a person. And, um, you know, seeing it on TV all the time, it was always like, God, they're so cool. You know what I mean? I love, I love how they look. And, you know, I feel like, uh, uh, you know, I, like I was always trying to see more of them, but it was just not really a subject that's covered, mm -hmm. I guess, if you want to call it by people. Um, and so going back to, and I'm going to circle back and bring this all together with what you asked me. So picking certain days to do pictures, depending on the lighting, um, and then also the pictures that most people see, um, they're taken throughout the day. Um, some, I mean, and not every day is the perfect day. Sometimes I go out and then all of a sudden I get there and I'm almost to where I, I spotted them, you know, I, you know, depending on how far I have to hike or do whatever I got to do, whether it's, you know, uh, kayak to, you know, kayak to where I'm going or whatever it is. Um, sometimes I get there, man, and it's, it's bright, it's full sunny. You know, so then that's where kind of like editing the picture comes into play. So then I kind of have to mess with the way that I take my pictures instead of taking them the way I usually do. Um, and so when I started taking pictures, and this is where I'm kind of bringing those two subjects back together. When I started taking pictures, um, I just started realizing that nobody really focused on bighorn sheep. Um, it just wasn't like a focus for people. Um, and I've always taken pictures of other animals. I've always done elk. I've always done bison. I've done, you know, uh, eagles. And, you know, I know I have some pictures here and there. I've, I've, I've done bear here and there. Um, but I have never seen anybody focus on bighorn sheep. And for me, bighorn sheep is like my number one passion. Um, there's just something about them. You know, everybody kind of makes them look kind of, you know, or how do I say this without sounding... I feel like when people think of a bighorn, when people think of a bighorn sheep, they think of like a, just like a big dumb sheep. You know what I mean? Like just like a lamb or, you know, like I'm just, you know, what you think of like a sheep, you know, like a goat, mm -hmm. you know, or, or something of that nature. And, um, I just never seen them that way. You know, they were always like this big, powerful animal, you know, an animal that could, you know, hit each other with, you know, hit with, you know, the force that would kill a human instantly, you know, um, and things of, you know, being able to hit each other like that. And if you ever are given the chance to witness them hitting each other, it, it, it'll blow your mind. Um, the way they hit each other. I mean, it is like shocking as to the amount of force that you can feel the thud, you know what I mean? If, if you're, you know, within, you know, 20, 30, you know, like 30, 40 yards, like you feel it. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the way that they, they hit each other at about 20 to 30 miles an hour. Um, if they get a good, like a decent God. running start. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they're, 
their horns are, are are bone, but they're filled with what's called, or they're surrounded by what's called keratin, which is the same stuff that your fingernail is. Um, and so that obviously helps absorb, um, and it's layers of keratin. So think of like layers of fingernail. Um, and that helps obviously absorb the hit, but also uh, big horse sheep have uh, a double skull. So they actually have a skull within a skull. And inside of the inner skull is where the actual brain and eyeballs and everything are connected. But the outer skull um, is kind of like that, like football helmet to your head. You know what I'm saying? So you have like the outer football helmet and then your actual skull, you know? And so um, that's kind of how the bighorn sheep skull and, and horns work in conjunction with each other so that they can inflict, you know, <laughs> inflict that kind of, uh, that kind of impact and still be able to like walk away. And, 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 or, 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 or what's the most amazing is watching them do it multiple times. Um, you know, they'll hit each other between two to 300 times in an hour. Um, especially deep in, yeah, especially deep in the rut, you know, when they're like really, when they're like really, um, when they're really being attracted by the use, the use are our female sheep. Um, when they're really being attracted by the use and the estrus, um, and they, you know, the females start really giving off the hormone that they're ready to mate. Um, that's when like you could sit there and, uh, and just watch, um, them hit each other over and over and over and over again. Um, and it's almost like you sit there and you're like, wow, like, well, when is this going to end? Cause it's like, at some point you're like, somebody's going to have to give up, you know, it's like you watch them hit each other like that. And you're like, how do they even continue doing that? You know? Um, but yeah. So is she like watching them do this alpha shit? Yeah. So the, I mean, yes and no. I mean, so, so what the females do is they kind of sit there and, you know, it's, it's, it's really, you know, how do I, it's really one of those things where they kind of act like other ungulates. Ungulates are, 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 are hoofed animals, um, are four-legged hoofed animals, uh, specifically those that grow antlers and horns. Um, and you know, these animals, they like, the females like know what's happening. And mm-hmm. so they're just like watching it happen and kind of like seeing how it plays out. Kind of like the way an elk or a deer is, you know, when they're in the rut and, and they're fighting each other. Although, you know, uh, an elk, um, he has a harem, uh, which is multiple females. Um, and he's like, I guess you could, you know, it obviously comes from the term, you know, of, in ancient times where a king had a harem of, of wives. It's kind of the same concept for like an elk. Whereas big horse sheep are kind of like deer in the sense that they don't really have a harem. Um, it's more just like who's going to get to mate with that female. Mm. So the other guy like walks um, off so, with like blue balls at the end of the day. Yeah. Kind of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like where he, he, he just doesn't get to mate because the bigger <laughs> sheep is the one that's, you know, the, the bigger sheep are the ones that are, that, that are getting the access to the females. Yeah. So the guy that, so I'm sorry, the, the, so the, um, ram that lost does he ever get any or is he is he always the loser so, so well he's he's always having a losing battle until he gets to the point where he can compete with the mature rams um which is typically um most of the rams i shoot um i i try to look for rams that have a full curl uh, a full curl is basically where if you drew a line from the top of the horn the base of the horn past the uh, past the eyeball and you'd have to look at it because it's hard to kind of explain, but pretty much from the horn past the eyeball, um, through the tear duct, think of a straight line, the top of the horn, past the eyeball corner tear duct next to the ear, and then down through once that horn kind of 
passes that straight line, that's considered a mature ram. He's he's had a full curl at that point. Um, so when I shoot rams, I'm looking for rams that are. I don't just shoot rams. Like if I go out somewhere and all I'm seeing are like little tiny rams, and you know they're like you know small and young, I I, I don't even take pictures of them. Um, but that's what that's the way you can tell a, a, a mature ram, especially when I'm going out shooting. You know, I need to know what's mature and what's not. So until that ram has made made it to the mature mark, you know what I mean, uh, of being a mature ram, then he's going to be able to be um, a contender for oh, mating okay. with the ewes. It's so interesting listening to somebody talk about something that they know a lot about. It's like you never realize how much you don't know until you listen to somebody talk about something that knows something. <laughs> something yeah. yeah, I'm just yeah, like, hey, Tony, I got this guy coming on the podcast. Oh, what does he do? He's a photographer for Ram. He's like, oh, cool. You know, you think you know something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just you just told us so much in like, what, five minutes, you know, that I never knew before. Yeah, yeah. So well, how did you well, get into- You know, it's one of those things. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go for it, man. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's one of those things where in order for me to be able to know where to go, know how to react, be with them, you know, be able to know where they are during different times of the year um, because they don't stay in one spot during one time of the year. Um, You have to be knowledge in them. I have books at home and, you know, I have guides and like, I mean, I even, I even have, I even have actually, I even have a child's guide, Mm. which is like, it's like a, it's like a book from, I think it's like for like a sixth to eighth grade reading level. And I'm saying all that because when it comes to bighorn sheep, and this goes back to me saying what I said earlier, it's not really a subject that's covered. So I don't want to put too much information out there, but I'm working towards possibly doing a book um, and actually, actually putting information in there that people can use. Because I mean, even right now, if you just go on your phone and Google uh, information on bighorn sheep, like where's like a guide? you know, like a book that's specifically about bighorn sheep. Like they have books about elk and, and deer and like, oh man, you know, outdoor hunters, deer guides, you know, and, and all these, you know, outdoorsmen, you know, type books and companies like through Cabela's and Bass Pro and all these companies that, you know, provide books to these stores so people can learn about hunting and techniques. There is really nothing like that for bighorn sheep. It's not, it's not very common. And I'm saying all that because that's the reason why I even have like a child's guide that I purchased off of, I think it was off of Amazon. It was like eight ninety nine. Um, but you know, I was just in my search over time, I've just tried to accumulate books and information and reading and, you know, um, and trying to understand, you know, gestational periods for, you know, when, when the ewes are pregnant to, you know, um, what happens if, what happens if a big horn snaps off a horn, which, you know, sometimes it has happened you know, and, and things of that nature. So, um, yeah, I just, I had to be able to understand the animal better in order to be able to be there for the animal when I'm trying to take pictures of it. Do you have a lot of, uh, the horns around your house or do you see them in general, like just on the ground? Okay. Oh, like on the ground. No. So, uh, uh, rams don't shed horns. No, but I'm saying like if it broke off, is that like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's not a, it's not a common occurrence. Okay. Um, uh, but they're it, okay. So in the state of Montana, so the one thing about bighorn sheep that is, so bighorn sheep are very sparse, um, in the sense that they are kind of spread out through Montana 
and little herds, little, you know, little packs. Um, because at one point, bighorn sheep were very, very, very close to being extinct. Um, and being extinct being that uh, uh, up until about the 1960s, early 70s, the bighorn sheep population was almost non-existent in the sense of Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. So there's there's different bighorn sheep, by the way. What so was the reason bighorn, for that? Um, hunting. Okay. Um, pushing on land. Um, pr- well, okay, so I'll say this. Pretty much by the early 1900s, uh, bighorn sheep were almost uh, at that point close to being uh, close to being eradicated wow. um, by the by the by the 1900s. So pretty much by the 1950s, coming into the 60s, it was getting to the point where I think that so you know the states and government started implementing tags for sheep and things of that nature. So there was starting to be implementation on as to what people could do hunting wise. And by the '60s, it was like it at an it was it was at an all time low up until I think the early to late uh, uh, 1800s, 1900s, somewhere in there. Okay, mm-hmm. so by the '60s into the '70s, that's where Wild Sheep Foundation started, um, looking to kind of maintain, take care of, uh, 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 and rehabilitate uh, bighorn sheep a- as a whole. Um, and so, you're asking if they were close to me here. So in Montana. There's, there's multiple herds. Um, and if you find a bighorn sheep skull, because it's so protected in Montana, if you find a bighorn sheep skull, you can't even touch it. Oh, you wow. need to report it. Yeah. You need to report it to Montana fish and game. And what that does is it, it makes sure that they are keeping a record of any natural or unnatural, obviously, depending on when you find it, obviously if it's just a skull. You know what I mean? A skull of bones. And I guess there's no real way to know, but they're monitoring the, the deaths in nature as best they can. Um, because again, it's one of those animals where, um, it's not very big. Um, it has had extreme encroachment by, um, by livestock specifically by, uh, domestic sheep. Um, and domestic sheep, uh, when they came from Europe, brought a, what's the name of that? I don't remember the name. Um, they brought a bronchial lung type disease that bighorn sheep can't get immune to. Mm. So if for some reason bighorn sheep cross with, with, with domestic sheep and these domestic sheep have this bronchial uh, type virus, the bighorn sheep get it. They'll start to kind of start to produce a cough and this, this, that, and the other. And then um, pretty much essentially what they'll do is, is they'll get pneumonia um, and then die. This disease, they kind of compare it to AIDS or HIV in the sense that what it does is it just lowers the immune system of the sheep, um, the wild sheep. And so they end up kind of getting sick, you know, or, or have a rough winter and they can't seem to maintain. It just can't, it lowers their immunity so that something else causes them to die mm. um and typically it's a it's a pneumonia but um yeah that's crazy man like i did not know yeah, that yeah. I, I found out the other day this has nothing to do with sheep but i didn't like so i was listening to this podcast and they're talking about babies and you can't feed a okay. baby uh honey like in the first year or something like that and there's something yeah. that i guess like the pathogens or something in the honey i'm not exactly sure what it is that they the baby can't fight off so I guess it's kind of like yes, what you're yes, talking yeah. about with the sheep, you know, like the, I didn't realize that if you got a 
like a, a would you a, a, would you consider a domesticated sheep? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's 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 directly from domestic sheep. Okay, yeah. The, so like the, the domesticated the, the, the disease that it, yeah the disease that inflicts the the main killer in the sense of disease that kills bighorn sheep is specifically from domestic sheep. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like think of, I'm trying to think of like, uh, what would be a good, okay. Well, because everybody kind of remembers, uh, so, um, COVID-19, there were people, there were people that they said were like asymptomatic or they just carried it, but it didn't affect them in any way. Okay. So think of it kind of in, in that manner where, the sheep would get, I guess, essentially kind of like a, a, the wild sheep would get like a COVID-19 and then all of a sudden they'd be having other issues due to the COVID-19, kind of like the way HIV works. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's directly from wild sheep. And other than that, um, in the sense of disease or anything like that, that's probably their biggest, uh, that's probably their, their biggest uh, uh, hurdle in the, in the sense of life and death in, in and outside in nature. So what would be their biggest predator? Like wolves or something like that? Yeah, yeah, wolves. Um I would I would I would lean I would lean more towards mountain lions. Um oh, only I didn't because even think about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would lean more towards mountain lions only because bighorn sheep live in in very hus- hospitable country. Um it, it's very hard to get to where some of them are at. Um, and sometimes, man, you know, you're going into places that are like not, not human friendly in the sense of the terrain. Um, and so being up that high where there's a lot of rocks and you got to do a lot of climbing, not that bears don't move up that, that high, Mm -hmm. but bighorn sheep are great at being able to get somewhere where I would say 90% of the time a bear would not be able to get there. You know what I mean? So are those like too rugged? Are those like the ones where like you see them on the side of a mountain, like they're on like a little, yes. like a barely like yeah. a size of a hand? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Less than that, man. Like two inches, of, two inches of rock lip is more than enough. Dude, um, that's so insane. That, you, 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 you have big horn sheep and then you also have mountain goat. Okay. The white goat with, with the black horns. Um, I would say that mountain goats might be a little bit more up in like rocky ledges, uh, whereas big horn sheep kind of tend to hang out where there's good vegetation, you know, decent Valley, big rolling Hills. Um, but they move up as the weather changes, as the spring kind of moves in and the harsh winter weather kind of gets away from being at the mountaintops. That's when they start to move back up. And by moving back up, it's just giving them more safety. Um, but yeah. Have you ever had to worry about, um, like something trying to hunch you while you shooting these animals? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I carry a, um, I carry a 44 mag, uh, revolver. Um, and I have to be very cautious as to where I'm at sometimes not in every location that I go to is the grizzly bears, but my, out of my two main locations, the one is, um, and it's a very heavy, it's a very heavy grizzly area. Um, so that's why, um, I think people may see me when I'm shooting, whether it's on videos or whatever it is I'm doing. Um, you know, I have a pistol, I have a can of bear spray. Um, I actually just, I actually just got a bigger pistol, uh, which is, like I said, it's, uh, I carry a 44 mag, um, now. And, um, 
honestly, it's it's one of those things when you're out there like, oh yeah, like I'm just gonna go out and take you know pictures of bighorn sheep. Like bighorn sheep <laughs> live in bear live in bear area. They do. You know, it's it's just in that it's it's impossible and impractical if you think that you're gonna be taking pictures of bighorn sheep in Montana and not be prepared for running into a grizzly bear or a black bear. I, got, Jesus. I have two questions about bears then. So okay. if you come in contact with a bear and it charges you, like if you have to shoot it, do you have to report that to somebody? And how do you prove that yes. that happened? And then 100%. Two, and then two, okay. what exact damage is your gun going to do to a, a 600 fucking, pound? Yeah. Like does it make them just even matter? I mean, or do you have to <laughs> obviously be a good shot to shoot like in the lung or the heart or something? I mean, how does that work? Okay. So, uh, your first question was, is, um, do I have to report a grizzly bear if it shoots? And you said, what do I do if a grizzly bear charges me? Is that what you asked me? Yeah. Just want to make sure I'm covering. Okay. So if you see a grizzly bear, right, whether it's 10 feet away, oh God, God forbid. Um, or, or, you know, you see a grizzly bear. Okay. So first just lay down the facts. Okay. Do not run. Okay. A grizzly bear will outrun you. A grizzly bear runs just as fast as a quarter horse does in the first like 40, 50 yards. Wow. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. Am I allowed to cuss on this thing? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, bro. Fucking fast. Okay. <laughs> like, like lightning fast. Like for an animal that looks like a, v- a VW bug with like short legs. Yeah. It's fucking fast. Um, so first thing, if you see a bear, just don't run. But what you want to do is you want to like, let him know that you see him. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's why a lot of people call out. Like, you know, sometimes when I'm out hiking and you know, I say this because it's the truth of living in Montana. Sometimes me and my wife and kids, we go hiking, man. And, and you know, like I said, it's, you can't get away from not being in bear country, especially in this area of Montana. It just is. Um, so a lot of times when we walk, you know, I, I don't know if people have seen on my Instagram or you guys have, I have a very large dog. Um, his name's Moose actually. Um, and so sometimes we'll put like a bell around his collar. Um, and then, you know, we play some music while we walk, you know, and then periodically I'll just kind of like call out like, Hey bear, you know, because you're going into places where you want the bear to be like, Oh my God, what's that sound? I don't know what that is. So I'm getting away from it. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I hear something that I don't understand. So I'm leaving. Because Are they a bear generally is still pretty skittish, like a human is fight or flight. Okay, it's I like got you. if you if you if you if you are running through, let's let's say you're walking through some bush, and then let's just go back and then let me let me let me attach this to your next question, which was, do I have to report it? And how does that go? So let's say you're walking through the bush, and all of a sudden you come through this bush, and boom, there's a bear. He's like twenty yards away, and you scare the shit out of him. Right? He's going to charge you, mm. most likely. Okay, because he got scared. So it was like that fight or flight moment where he was like, what the fuck is this? Okay, attack. Or, whoa, what is that? I hear it, but I'm not really sure what that is. So I'm leaving it alone. I'm, I'm going to get out of here because it still could be something that could hurt me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so bears kind of have that like fight or flight mentality. Um, so that's why a lot of people say like, don't like run away from the bear because then you insert the predatory mindset of like something's running. I want to chase it because I'm a predator. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's why you don't run from a bear or at least try not to run from a bear. Obviously situation will dictate your reaction. Um, but, um, so then if you shoot a bear, um, in Montana, this is a, this is a subject that is very heavily, um, debated right now in Montana. Grizzly bear is protected in Montana. You are not allowed to hunt a grizzly bear. 
So if you shoot a grizzly bear, you immediately have to report it to Montana uh, uh, FWP, which is Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Um, and they will literally hold an investigation as to the situation that transpired. How it happened, where you were standing, what you shot, the bear's reaction. I mean, it's like a full thing. Um, they'll suspend your hunting license. Uh, even if it's not hunting season, your hunting privileges will be suspended until the, uh, uh, until the investigation has been cleared. Um, because grizzly bear is, is an animal, at least in Montana at one point, you know, there was grizzly bear that covered pretty much all of the Western States, um, moving down into California. Hence the California flag has a freaking bear on it. Um, you know, and so over time, they've been overhunted. And so they are highly protected here in Montana. Um, and it's kind of like, like I said, it's one of those subjects that is very like thought about because it's getting to the point now where there's a lot of grizzly bears and a lot of people are running into them. And it's getting to the point that people are like, Hey man, like we need to kind of manage the herd a little bit. You know what I mean? Just in, just in the area that I live in alone. Um, so I live I live literally, I guess you could say I live in, but I live near or in the Gallatin National Range, okay, Gallatin National Forest. That Gallatin National Forest then butts into Yellowstone National Park. So the Gallatin National Forest alone, I think is like 1.5 million acres. Wow. Okay, almost almost 2 million acres. Then you have Yellowstone that butts into, that is a part of the Gallatin National Forest, okay? Yellowstone National or Yellowstone National Park is 2.2 million acres. So now you have 2.2 million acres plus, let's just say 1.5 million acres of Gallatin National Forest. Okay. So now you're almost at like 3.5 million acres of wilderness. Then sitting next to the Yellowstone National Park is the Tarhee National Forest, which is like another 2 million acres. So overall total, you have almost 5 million acres of untouched forest and land um, that has become like a huge breeding ground for grizzly bears. That's a lot of space. Um, And that's not even talking about like what's on the other side of the Gallatin, um, Gallatin National Forest, which is a few other mountain ranges that are covered with grizzly bears now. Um, So being in a place where there's a lot of grizzly bears, people are starting to say, hey, look, like, we kind of got to start managing like it's, you know, so they, they have tried to do things with, you know, the Senate and, 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 you know, passing laws, trying to get maybe a hunting season involved, you know, or like, or like a tag that you can, you know, maybe raffle for where they give out like five grizzly tags a year. You know what I mean? Like being able to starting to manage the herd in, in a sense, because it's starting to inflict damage, not only on hunters, but then also animals as well. Elk population, sheep population, you know, uh, pronghorn, you know, deer, um, and the grizzly bear is a, is, is a formidable opponent. Um, but so if you do shoot one, yes, you have to report it. And there, there is a full investigation. What happens if where you, would you shoot it at? I'm sorry, say that again. Where would you shoot it at to kill it or to at least okay, fend yourself yeah. off? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, most of the time, unless it's a, unless you're like hunting, right. And I'm saying like you're hunting. So you have an ideal shot, which would be through the vitals, which is just behind the front arms, left either side of the animal. Um, that's where you're going to have the less amount of bone. You just got some ribs, you know, and typically, um, 
not depending on the animal, but animal that are animals with four legs. I'll just put it like that. Cause I guess that also pertains to bears and, and other animals, cougars and things of that nature, mountain lions. Um, the vital shot would be behind the, behind the front arm. And you're looking to kind of hit between, you're not between, but you're going to kind of, if you get it at just the right angle, depending on where it's at, you'll go between the heart and lungs. Wow. The lungs is just fine. Say again. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um, so, you know, you're looking to get a shot like that. Either way, a shot in that vicinity, you know, I I would say most people would say you got like a dinner plate sized area, um, to hit on an, on, on a bear or an elk or a deer. That's a, that's a large area, especially if you're going out there with a rifle that's sighted in for, you know, however, however far distance, um, you know, you should definitely be able to hit an animal, um, humanely without having to like fucking, you know, put two, three rounds in, in, into the animal because you're just being a shitty shot. Mm. Um, but I'm saying all that because, so in that respect, yes, in that situation where it's a hunted animal that you are hunting, you're putting yourself in a prime position so that you can kill the animal quickly and humanely right behind the fore, right, right behind the main arms. That's where your vital shots are. Now in a grizzly bear attack, most likely you're coming straight on bears coming straight at you. Okay. Um, so this is where the firearm comes into play. So when it comes to having a grizzly bear attack you, most, most firearms up to about, I mean, okay. So, so let's just say, so there, there, there's a lot of schools of thought into how this plays out. Um, but typically, and, uh, and this is going to sound wild, but I actually was just reading about this the other day. Um, typically a male grizzly bear, a full grown mature male grizzly bear has about a four inch thick skull. Jesus. How much do they yeah, weigh? The would you of, say? Uh, it's anywhere from like six to 800 pounds <laughs> some, somewhere in there. You ain't uh, killing yeah, it. Man, that, that, no, no, no. Well, you're not killing it with, you're not killing it if you're using the wrong gun. Yeah. So, so a typical like nine millimeter, 40, 45, like you're fucking pushing it. Like at what you want when you're, and I'm going to, this is like now turning into a firearm discussion, but uh, it has to deal with bears. Um, when, when you're wanting to kill a bear because it's attacking you, let's say again, you're going through the bush all of a sudden, boom, you see a bear. He's like 20, 30 yards away. He turns, he faces you and then he charges. Okay. So in that moment, you want a round that's going to give you the most amount of just stopping and what's called stopping power. Okay. Um, you don't want it to pass through. You want it to like, feel like a sledgehammer is hitting something, you know, almost like a car hitting a brick wall. You know what I mean? Um, and so that immediately rules out, you know, uh, nine millimeter 44 mag, I'm I'm sorry, nine millimeter, uh, 40 Smith and Wesson 45. You're like pushing it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of there, but it's not really like there yet, you know? And then you start to get into what's called the big bore calibers, 357, 44 mag, 454 Casul. Um, and those are like, so I carry a 44 mag, which is considered like the ideal man stopper in the, in, in, I'm sorry, bear stopper, um, in a sense of like a, a big bore, a big bore, uh, a revolver pistol round. Um, and it's a very large round. Um, it's a 300 grain flat nose, uh, round. Um, you know what? I have them with me actually right here. 
Oh wait, this isn't on video. Okay. Um, it's good. I was going to, I was going to show you the difference. Um, and so this round is like specifically meant to like drive through like stopping power, like a car hitting a wall. Um, and the way, the, the way a, a bear gun works is that it needs the feet per second and the bullet size to be substantial. Mm. So like a 44 mag, I shoot um, like just a typical, I mean, just like a 44 mag round is, is like 1200 feet per second, which is like for a pistol round, that's extremely fast. Um, that, that's, that's, that's going past subsonic, which I think is like a thousand feet a second. Um, wow. And so this round shoots, you know, extremely fast, but then it has a very large bullet. Um, and it, it, it inflicts like the most amount of damage. This gun will kill a grizzly bear. This gun will, will kill a brown bear. Um, and, and, and there's guys that hunt bear with this round as a pistol. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the round that was really meant, um, for stopping a charging bear at like 10 feet. Like you just, you know, even at 20, 30 feet, I mean, you will stop a bear. It's like I said, it's like a car hitting a wall. And, um, in just recent years, the 10 millimeter has started to make a, um, make a, what do you want to call that? Make an appearance in the sense of, uh, what guys use, what guys carry in the back country. Um, because now you're having, a, now you have a bullet that, kind of carries the same weight in the sense of bullet size. So about 200 grains compared to like a 300 grain. Um, and then it also has almost has the same amount of speed as the 44 Mac. Um, but it's not as big. Um, it's all about ballistics and things of that nature. But the reason guys like carrying it is because companies like Glock Smith and Wesson and Springfield armory, um, all make semi-auto pistols that are in 10 millimeter. So, What's that mean for people in the woods? It means that you can hold a pistol that has 15 rounds instead of a 44 mag that has six, mm. but you're not getting the same stopping power as the 44 mag, but you are getting good stopping power, but it's not the same as a 44 magnum. See, so there's trade-offs. It's like, yeah, you carry six and you can stop like a fucking, you know, 1400 pound brown bear at like 10 feet. You know what I mean? Or you carry 15 and you might have to dump a few shots into this guy as he's coming at you. You know what I mean? For it to like do the damage. So it's, it's a trade-off. So but would you, if I it was for, go ahead. Go oh ahead. no, no, go ahead, man. No, no, no. I was just saying for me personally, I was like, dude, I'm carrying the 44 mag. Yeah. Wouldn't you think from what, I, what I've heard, like you have to worry about like an automatic jamming. And I guess with a revolver, you really don't have that problem. Especially in a situation yes. like that, you wouldn't want something to jam. Yeah, no yeah, shit, man. No yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah, for real. Because honestly, it's one of those things where, I mean, most bear attacks happen within, I think I read a statistic that most bear maulings happen within 30 yards. Fuck. I saw a video um, online of a guy, he, I guess he was hunting somewhere, and a, a bear attacked him and like basically just ripped his fucking face off. And then he got his face okay, like reattached. I, 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 are you talking about the guy, um, the guy who, uh, he like Facebook lived after he got it. Yeah. Attacked. And like the blood's like, like dripping from his face. Yeah. Yeah. So that was here. Oh, that, was shit. Right here. <laughs> that looked brutal <laughs> as yeah, fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was right here. That was like, uh, maybe like 
50 miles from where I live. Um, that was in a mountain range called the Gravelies. And that is a extremely heavy brown bear area, but it's also very good elk hunting. Um, but yeah, so yeah, 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 that was right here. And actually he went to reach for his firearm, uh, but the bear was just tossing him around apparently. Um, and he was wow. trying to grab it and, <laughs> um, it, yeah, it, it mauled him twice. Jesus two times. Christ. So it mauled him, it mauled him once. He kind of laid there. Um, and he said he pulled out his firearm, um, and then it left and it went over the hill. And then he kind of waited there for a minute, like play dead. Um, it, 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 it was a sow with cubs, which is also why I think that it attacked him because when he seen it, it had her cubs. Mm. So it was like, what the fuck are you? You know what I mean? Um, and so either way, real quick. The bear goes over the hill, leaves him alone. He gets up, starts walking away. Well, apparently, when the bell, when when the bear walked over the hill, the bear walked over the hill and walked in the same direction as him. Right. So there's a hill there, and as he was walking, the bear is also walking in the same direction, but they can't see each other until this like hill started to disappear and level off. And all of a sudden he said, he looked over and there was the bear again because the hill kind of like disappeared. Jesus. Um, and so all of a sudden they were on a level play, you know, a level plane again. And he said, all of a sudden, man, the bear just came at him. And he said, he, he drew his pistol again. And I think he let off a shot or two, if I'm not mistaken, I think he let off a shot and hit it. Um, but I mean, it, it attacked him again. And he said the second time was even worse. He said it was tossing him around and like flipping him upside down and this, this, that, and the other. And then, you know, that, I think that's when it like bit into his skull. Oh. Um, and then, yeah, at that point it, it left again. And then he kind of, he said he laid there for a good minute um, before he got up and then like started running back for his truck. Wait. Um, and then that's when he took the video. The guy's alive? Yeah, there's a, he got reconstructive surgery on his oh, face. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, oh, yeah, he's, two times yeah, in one day. Yeah, he's, yeah, two times in one day in like a five minute span. Yeah, no, he's alive. And yeah. I bet you he's out uh, there, right? Or he's probably going out there again to do whatever the fuck he oh, was yeah. doing before. Yep. Yeah, man. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you live out here and it's like, you know, it, it's a trade off. You know, it's like you, I enjoy the mountains so much. You know, I, I've, I've had the full bear spray out. I've never had to shoot bear spray to bear. Um, you know, fuck, knock on wood. You know what I mean? Like, God forbid that ever actually has to be an encounter that I ever want to encounter. But like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Like I'm doing one shot. You know what I mean? Like if it's going to be, you know, if I, if I, if I have a gun on me, it's going to be a one shot type gun, Yeah. you know? Mm. And, and especially with, you know, especially with, like you said, within or with the revolver, within the typical like attack distance that most people get mauled by a bear. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and then, and then you got to throw this factor in there too. And this kind of goes into like, so ammo companies specifically make ammunition for bear for almost all gun calibers in the sense of pistol calibers, um, because a, a rifle will always do the job. And so will a shotgun. Um, but, and it comes to a pistol, it's like, you got to have specific ammunition for a bear. Um, and so this ammunition that I carry, um, is by a company called Buffalo bore. Um, and it's, um, heavy 44 bag ammunition. Um, meaning that it's 300 grain, uh, round, um, and it goes at least 1300 feet per second. Um, and it's special bear ammunition. Um, it's made specifically for bear. And most of the time when you buy this bear ammunition, um, you'll see on the box, it says plus P or plus P plus. And all that does is that the plus and the P just simply means it's 
plus performance, meaning that they put more, more, um, more gum powder in the cartridge, giving the round more speed and obviously more power. Um, and so most of the time, you know, depending on the gun that you're shooting, um, they make it for a nine millimeter, which is not a, not a very good gun to carry in the woods. Like I said, I carry a 10 until I got my 44 mag, but, um, they make it for nine millimeter, 10, 10 millimeter, 40 Smith and Wesson, 45, 357 mag, 44 Magnum. Um, like I said, like the one I carry right here is, is my bare ammunition and it's heavy 44 plus P. Um, so it's like, it's cooking. Like when you shoot it, it's moving even faster than the typical 44 mag round because it needs to hit with even more power, with more stopping force. It needs to like cause destruction. You know what I mean? Like total breakdown as, as, as it drives through. And typically when you, a bear is attacking you, most people are taking shots at the head, head up to the back shoulders. Um, that that's where you're getting like, you know, because the bear is facing you yeah. and you know, that's why you said like, you know, typically when you're shooting a bear, it's going to be at charge. So he's coming directly at you. Um, so you want something that's going to drive you. You want to have like a stopper, you know what I mean? Something like I said, that's like a car running into a brick wall. Um, and if you ever watch these guys, uh, like if you ever watch some, some, some hunting shows of like guys shooting, um, you know, Cape Buffalo and, 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 and like these dangerous game animals with these large, uh, boar cartridges, like it's a stopper, like it will stop. Like it is, you know, have you ever seen like, um, like if you ever watch like a, I'm trying to think of like a good one, like a YouTube, uh, demonstration or something where these people shoot. Oh, like, like watermelons like, and shit like that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, like, even, like, something that's a little bit more dense that can, like, hold its shape. You know what I mean? Like, the entry hole in a forty-four mag is, like, a four-inch hole. It's huge. Jesus. Like, like if you do, like, like, like they, they take, like, the bear cartridge and they shoot it at things so that you can see, like, the damage that it inflicts. Like, the hole into, like, a, into, like, a, a into, like, a freaking not a goddamn watermelon. Wow. Uh, a pumpkin. There you go. The hole in the, like a pumpkin, which is a little bit more denser than a watermelon in the sense that like the, 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 I read something about what the reason why people do a lot of pumpkins is because the shape of the water, the shape of the pumpkin is like denser on the outside and it's kind of hollow on the inside. So it doesn't really like explode the way a watermelon does. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of just like passes through, but you see that, that, that pass through, from the entry and exit and it's like dude it's like fuck man like you know like you shoot it i mean no you know i'm only saying it like this but like you shoot a human with that you know you're gonna put like a you're gonna put like a softball size hole in his chest you know what i mean like yeah. it's a huge round um so in the sense of like stopping power things of that nature man i i try to stay i mean i, I have a friend that carries a 10 mil uh carries a glock 20 um and then i obviously i was carrying a glock 29 but now i carry uh this 44 mag, um, which is, it's actually, it's called a tour. If you look it up, it's a Taurus 44. Um, so it's like a tracker type type firearm. It's meant for like, um, you know, being in the bush, um, and having a firearm. That's like I said, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a stopper. So, man, it's like you live on a different world. set of rules than we do. I mean, cause like yeah. we don't ever think about like bears and big horn, uh, you know, Rams and fucking, yeah. uh, uh, mountain lions and stuff like that here and it's yeah. kind of like you're living oh, yeah. like in jurassic park because like <laughs> you know they always talk about how like if dinosaurs were around we'd be fucked 
You know, and, and oh, luckily yeah. we have firearms like that because without firearms, humans couldn't fend off these animals. We're not that strong. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, and so, so, so before, um, before the forty-four mag, which was introduced in like nineteen fifty, the the big bear gun that most people would carry would be like a a um, a a repeating rifle, like a Winchester or a shotgun. You know, shotgun has actually considered the most ideal gun to carry in the woods, especially let's just say if you're like trying not to get like hit by a bear is a freaking shotgun. Like the stopping power on a shotgun is like substantial. You know what I mean? Especially if, if, if you fill it with like, so um, you have different kinds of shotgun. You have what's called a slug, which is just essentially like a solid slug. You have a buckshot, which is think of like small marbles like a, like a, like a marble as a kid, you know, like a glass marble, but they're still, mm-hmm. um, you have buckshot and then you have different kinds of buckshot. So then you have like a really big buckshot and then you got like smaller buckshot. And then you have what's like bird shot, which is like, think of like a BBs, uh, from like a BB gun. Um, and that's what you use for like waterfowl and stuff. But the stopping power from a shotgun is, is, is substantial, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things living out here. You have to be cautious of where you're at and where you're going, because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the one day you let your guard down and you're like, ah, fuck it. I'll leave the pistol in the car. That's the fuck a day. You know what I mean? And so you always got to be like, okay, I just bring it. Like I just, you know, living in Montana, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, Montana is an open carry state. Montana is a concealed carry state as well. You do not need a license to conceal carry in Montana. Um, as well as being out in the woods. Um, it is a very gun friendly state and it has to be being out somewhere where, you know, I can literally park off the side of the road and then walk like three miles in and then be in utter wilderness. You know what I mean? Where there's not even, you know, I don't even get phone service. There's not even a telephone pole. There's not even, you know, I actually, sometimes when I go out into the woods, I have to carry what's called a ham radio, which is a radio that bounces off of the radio signal off of the radio post that the, um, that the state uses for emergency services. Wow. Because you'll get into, you'll get, you'll get into places where like, dude, you could scream and nobody would hear you. You know, you could scream for your fucking life. You know, you could shoot off a hundred rounds and nobody would even fucking hear it. You know? So you're, you're, when I walk out into these places, I always look like I'm heavily geared because I am, you know, some of these places that I, some of these places that I go to, dude, I could fall and break my fucking leg and, you know, get, get dragged off by a mountain lion and nobody would even know what happened. You know what I mean? I'd scream like, you know, <laughs> scream like I was dying and nobody would be there. Nobody would even, you know, nobody would hear me. So when you get into these places where it's like that, you know, you have to be prepared. You have to be able to self-sustain. You know, even when I go with my wife and kids, I carry what's called a safety bag and it's a waterproof bag that I carry. And man, I carry everything in there. I carry ponchos. I have fire starters, lighter. I have a safety straw safety straw is essentially like a straw with a filter in it so that you can drink out of the water. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I carry two of those. Um, I carry extra ammunition and like, you're like, dude, this guy's going on a hike. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going on a hike, but like, we're going to hike for like three miles and there could easily be a grizzly bear here, or we could easily be walking out and get hit by a, so- a snowstorm and get totally lost because I can't see where I'm going. You know, the trail will be completely brushed over, you know? And so I got to think about like, and it happens you know, um, you know, the amount of snow that, that, that hits up here in this area of Montana is, is a massive amount because 
when Yellowstone was forming, it was pushing through from the Pacific Ocean and came across from California, cutting through the Sierra Nevadas and up through, uh, up through uh, what is that, like Nevada, Utah, and stopping in Yellowstone, stopping here in Wyoming and Montana. And so that's substantial because what it did is it kind of cut a path for moisture that comes from the Pacific, comes from the Pacific Ocean, kind of the way it does in Washington. Mm-hmm. And that path through Northern California shoots up into Wyoming, Montana, Yellowstone area, and it gets stopped by the mountains. So there is a massive amount of snow that comes down here, feet in like an hour, Jeez. because all that moisture, all that moisture gets funneled in through the Sierra Nevada mountains, through California and then stops in this area. And so we get feet of snow and it gets like negative 20, negative 30, like, like on a, on a, on a typical basis in Montana in the winter, you know, you're floating somewhere between like, you know, zero degrees as a regular type consistency. Um, so things can change dramatically here. Um, I literally just the other day, it snowed, it hailed, it flurried, it rained, the sun came out and then it snowed again. And then by the next day, all the snow was gone and it was like 60 in May. Yeah. Literally just happened like a week ago. I just had family that came here. That is insane. They came here from Southern. Yeah. They came here from Southern California and they were like, what the fuck is going on? Is this part of the United States? uh, uh, (laughs) I mean, I mean, golly. So what is the high? What's summer's like there? Like what's the the highest temperature? it gets? 22. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. Fuck no. I I need a little bit of heat. Um, But it, it, it typically like you'll hit like two weeks in August where two weeks in August, and I can't even say like it stays that way, but you'll hit like two weeks in August where it might hit like 80, 90. Oh, but wow. That's like it, April but, for but, us. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and like it snowed in August in the mountains. I was bow hunting elk in August and there was like a foot of snow. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hot in Bozeman in the Valley at 80 but then you drive like 30 miles into the mountains and there's like a there's like a fucking foot of snow on the ground you know what i mean you're like dude it's fucking august like it's august fucking 15th like it's pure summer right now but there is still there is still snow in those mountains because the elevation and you know it's just it's a harsh environment to be around and y'all must not deal with humidity at all up there then no not really man don't ever come to memphis in august no, like even like April or March, it starts getting humid. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's where, where, so crazy. Where, where are you? Where, where are you guys at? Memphis, Tennessee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like yeah, Satan's Memphis, kitchen sure. here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I lived in Ohio for a couple of years. Oh yeah, it gets humid um, there remember, too. Yeah, yeah. And I remember in the summer because especially I lived in an area called I lived in an area. Uh, um, well, I guess near Toledo, Ohio. Um, I went to a, a Springfield High School, and um, yeah, man. Like, especially that area, apparently when it was, when it was moved into by settlers as they were pushing across after the revolution and all that kind of stuff, it was a very swampy area. Mm. Um, it's very marshy. It's very marshy there. Um, and fuck man, especially where I lived at in the Springfield area. I mean, dude, super humid and I fucking hate humidity. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with dry heat. Um, you know, which is why being in Iraq wasn't, I mean, it was fucking hot. Uh, don't get me wrong, um, but it was like tolerable. Because yeah. it's one thing to be like hot and in the sun. 
It's another thing to be like hot and in the sun and it feels like you're trying to breathe as you're like guzzling a gallon of water. Yeah. Like there's a huge difference, you know what I mean? Or to feel like you're in the shower, but not in the shower, mm-hmm. you know? Like um, you go to shade uh, and you're so, still hot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it, there's no relief from the hot air, you know what I mean? And so Iraq is, is different in that regard, but you know, being Southern California, obviously being kind of the same too, where it's just hot, like good sun, but it's not like hot. Uh, or, or, or muggy. Um, but yeah, so up here, man, yeah, it, it changes substantially. Um, and so for those reasons, you know, when you are going out in, into the mountains and, and, and being out here, you know, uh, a lot of the things that happen to people happen to people that don't live here. Mm. Um, so a lot of people that come out here from out of state, um, you know, this is a very highly trafficked area. Bozeman is specifically because it's like a really nice area. Um, and it's right next to Yellowstone. It's like an hour from Yellowstone. Um, and that's like the most scenic fucking drive. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Um, and so it gets a lot of people. So you get a lot of people out here that are like, oh yeah, let's go fucking walk in the woods. You know what I mean? They're like walking in with fucking sandals and shit. You know what I mean? And, and, And you're like, you know, yeah, I get it. Like, okay. You know, you go walk like trails in California. You know, I'm just saying that because I know I lived in Southern California, especially when I was in the Marine Corps being on Camp Pendleton. Um, and then also my family as well. And so I know what it's like to walk trails in California. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is not like walking trails in California. Yeah, This is not the same. You know what I mean? Um, there are things out here that will fucking eat you. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, will fucking run up, snag one of your fucking kids and take off with your daughter, you know, and you'll never fucking see it again. You know, you, you, you know, you'll never fucking see your child again. And so people that come out here, a lot of the issues that happens with people are people that are out of state. Oh, you know, they got a mauled by a bear. You know, what she have on her? Oh, she had a little can of fucking pepper spray. You mean like the pepper spray you shoot a human being with? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you know? And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you know, bear spray is significantly different than, than pepper spray. You know, it carries, um, it carries OC spray, which is a lot harsher. And it also carries it at a higher content level. Um, you know, typically like, uh, the OC spray that it's for like human use would say there's like a crowd of people and they're, you know, all rioting or whatever. Mm-hmm. You see cops spray that red, that, that orange spray in the air. That's OC spray mm-hmm. and it's very hard and it hurts your eyes and it's about 2% concentration and it fucking burns. Um, I have been sprayed with OC spray being, being in the Marine Corps. Um, you get OC spray certified. Well, they say certified, but it's just more a reason for them to fucking spray OC spray in your face to say they did it. Um, <laughs> But I'm saying all that because the OC spray in, in human spray is like 2%. Um, the OC spray in bear spray is like 10%. Oh, shit. So, yeah, did you spray it? Like it says on the can, like if you spray yourself in the face by accident with bear spray, it'll burn your fucking eyes out. Oh, shit. As a human. Yeah, it is substantially harder on you as a human being and as a bear. Obviously, it's meant to stop a bear in his tracks. You know what I mean? It is like instant burn. It's like sticking a ghost pepper in your, in your eyeball kind of a thing. Like it is meant to incapacitate, to stop him right there. You know what I mean? And to like literally bring him down, you know, um, and be totally incapacitated in his movement towards you or anywhere else for that matter. Um, but yeah, so you get people out here, you know, they just, they don't understand where they are. Um, and so that's where, like I said, you kind of get into these situations where these people are, Oh yeah, you know, they're walking around out here having a good time. And then boom, you know, Oh, two people found dead. There was a lady last year. (laughs) Okay. There was a lady last year that, that pitched a tent in Helena 
in like a public park and left a bunch of like in a public park. Okay. So there was like homes around mm-hmm. in a public park, pitched a tent, stayed there for the night. I don't know if she was homeless or what the situation was either here nor there. Cause people pitch tents all the time around here and you know, they're driving around in Range Rovers. So I guess I can't say that. Um, but, um, you know, she pitched a tent, she camped for the night, left a shit ton of fucking food and candy in her fucking tent um, and got drug out at a public park and was mauled to death in the park. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Aren't People you supposed to put your were, food up like in a, in a tree or something like yeah, that? It, yeah. It, it, in a tree is, you know, if, if you're out in the wilderness, a tree is a good area. I carry a rope with me um, to like, you know, I also do that for like your kill, depending on like, you know, let's say you're hunting with some friends and you, you know, you shoot a deer, <clears throat> you're not going to leave everybody else there and go home now. You know, you, you help him. Yeah. You know, so I help him haul his meat. I help him gut his deer, do what he needs to do. <clears throat> Everybody's there helping because it's, it's a lot of work. Um, and so being out in the woods like that, you know, yeah, you're supposed to kind of like lift your kill up or, or lift your food if you have it, you know, or bring like a bear safe container. You know, you could buy like a steel container that you carry that you bring out with you, throw it in the back of your truck bed and, you know, you throw all your food in there and then you kind of walk it off into the woods you know, and put a lock on it and leave it like that, you know? So if a bear does come, you have a steel container or it's up in the air and the bear can't get to it. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, you know, one of those things, like I said, a lot of people come out here, man, and they're just, they're not prepared. You know, I mean, shit, I don't know. Me and my wife, we don't even wear hiking shoes. Mm. We wear like specific boots that are made for living up here in this kind of terrain. Um, there, there's a company up here called Chenay's and then there's another company called Kenetrek. And they specifically make Italian mountain boots that are for hunting. And essentially what they are is they're mountaineering boots. Like they would be boots that you would wear if you were like, oh, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest. Like, you know, like they are serious mountaineering boots. Um, And like I'm saying, even in that regard, we don't even wear hiking shoes. Me and my wife wear these boots. You know, that's the boots that you always see me wearing in all my videos and stuff there. It's a leather, you know, it's a handmade Italian handmade boot. Um, but it's specifically made with walking in this kind of wilderness in mind, large rocks, uh, hard terrain, you know, matter of fact, the sole, actually, I would compare the boot to kind of being like a ski shoe, a ski boot in the sense that there's, in the sense that there's not very much flex in it. Um, so it helps you like walk over sharp rocks and you don't feel the rock, like come through the bottom of the sole into your foot, um, everything here is specific for the reason that this isn't a very forgiving environment. You know what I mean? Everything here is specific to that. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people, you know, yeah, when you come in the summer, but like right now, I mean, dude, it looks like it's going to fuck storm like holy shit right now. And right now I'm sitting in the sun and there's a huge storm in front of me. So it's like the grizzly bear, like the, the biggest predator in North America then. Yes, he is. Because like it can run fast as fuck. It can climb trees. I'm assuming. (laughs) And it can no, just, no, no, actually, or actually, is that brown bear, or black bears that can that, do that? That's a black bear. Oh, yeah, okay. that's a black bear. So at yeah, least yeah, we got yeah, that going yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So, 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 so black bears have more like when you think of like a a black bear claw, think of like a cat. Yeah. Like they kind of are like curled. Oh, okay. Like cat. His claws are so he's able to really get into the tree. Brown bears or grizzly bears, which are our two different types of bears, um. Uh, grizzly bears are grizzly bears and brown bears have more like what looks like a long claw. You know mm. what I mean? So like, think of like, uh, think of like a Wolverine type claw. Oh, okay. Like, you know, yeah. Wolverine yeah. From comic books. So it's like long and kind of straight has a little bit of a curve in it. 
you know, it's not like so needle sharp, but it's sharp. Fuck claw. Wow. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but a brown bear is what you call a grizzly bear that's more closer to the coast. And a grizzly bear is what you call a bear that's more inland. Say that again now. So oh. a brown bear is what you call a grizzly like bear. He's called a brown bear because he's closer to the coast. Okay. Whereas a grizzly bear is a bear that's more inland. So you call him a grizzly bear because typically a grizzly bear also has like, especially a grizzly bear to a brown bear, a brown bear, obviously the name coming from being brown. And they kind of see this more towards the coastal bears where the coat is mainly brown. Whereas a grizzly bear being inland, he kind of has more of a, like a a, rough call a grizzle. No, no, no. A grizzle type coat where he is, his coat is brown and gray. Oh, like it's like like a grizzly old man or something. Yeah, like a, yeah, or like think of like, you know, I'm getting a little older, so I'm getting like, you know, some gray hairs in my beard. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Okay. Like where his, his coat is, is kind of like two tone color, where it's like a gray and a brown. So they call it a grizzle, like a grizzle color. Huh. So that's where the name grizzly bear came from. I did not know that. I didn't know anything we were talking yeah. about right now on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so man, I got man, a question. You, you live out here, dude. Yeah. yeah um, would you ever consider like starting like a, um, like a company, like where you take people out and like you help them like get a good shot, like not, not like hunting trips and stuff like that, or like photography trip or something. Yeah. Yes. So I have actually, so that's kind (laughs) of, it's funny. It's people have ideas that they think they're like, I wonder if this dude would ever do this. And I'm already kind of doing it, but not doing it. Uh, Okay. Um, I get people that have asked me for photography trips and I tell people, yes, but you have got to be physically fit. There is no fucking way that you can get out to where these big horns are, like, or, or, or even animals for that matter. These animals do not live in country that is like, hey, you know, like, yeah, go for a fucking walk. Like, like walk into the park. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like that, man. Like you are, I like, and, and that's why I'm saying it's been talked about and I get people that ask me for it. Um, hey man, would you take me out? And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, you know, and then how should I say this without sounding rude, but I'm not trying to sound rude. It's they're more fat. About, like they're out of shape. I'll do it for you. Yeah, man. You know, you're like, dude, you yeah, ain't going to last. Yeah. Me. Well, I feel yeah, like dude, even like, like Cameron Haynes is like always running and all the other shit for all the stuff he has to do because they got to trek so far to do this stuff. Yeah, so. man, you know, and it's like, and sheep move, you know, and I'm just saying sheep because I really focus on sheep, but even yeah. other animals in general move, you know? So it's like, You'll see in a binocular, like, oh, fuck, yeah, dude. Look at that mountain way over there, and boom, there they are. And you're like, fuck, dude, that's like a six-mile fucking walk. You know what I mean? Like, that's a six-mile hike. And it's not like six miles walking down a fucking street. Mm. It's like six miles going up and down, you know? And then by the time you get there, they moved even further, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it, it, it's, it's, you know, and then it's funny because I get people that are like, I get people that are like, okay, how do I go about saying this? let me say it this way. So I get people that are like, Oh yeah, you know, I want to go out and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll take you, but I mean, how far are you honestly going to get, you know, and I don't want to be rude. So I want to tell people like, if you're seriously considering like, Hey man, I would pay you or do whatever to like come out there, you know? And I even had people say, I I told, I told them like, Hey, look, I'll provide the location and the vehicle and the boat and everything. You just got to make sure you're providing food. And then, you know, you're obviously paying for the trip in the sense of like, you know, Hey, let's do gas or something like that. You know what I mean? But I'll provide the vehicle. I got a huge truck. I can haul, you know, big boat, things of that nature. I'm saying all that because I get people that ask me and I do tell them, 
I'm like, yeah. But in my head, I'm like, looking at the profile pic and I'm like, fuck, bro. You, you ain't know, gonna you buy look it. Like you were, you, 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 no, man, you're gonna make it over the first fucking hill. Like, and I don't want to be that kind of. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to be a dickhead. You know what I mean? But it, it is what it is, and I think that this kind of circles into you know kind of the mindset that I have as a wildlife photographer. Um, like, how do I say this? It's not a safari. I think a lot of people probably think it's like a safari because like, I've been on safari before. And you're in a, yeah, in a vehicle, around. you know, nope. they drive you. We don't, we didn't have to walk around and deal with the elephants and lions and no, shit like no, that. No. You know? Yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. It's not like that. Um, you know, especially being in a safari, I've never been in one, but obviously I've watched a lot and seen a lot. And, and so I see, you know, a lot of flat land. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like that, man. Like, and I think that that's also why bighorn sheep aren't photoed very much. Cause I'm going to say it and I say it because I mean it. You know what I mean? Fucking wildlife photographers are fucking lazy. You know what I'm saying? They're fucking lazy. And I'm going to say it because it is what it is. And I've kind of been saying it now here and there on my live. Like, you know, you know, when I, when people ask me questions, like, how do you get that shot? And I'm like, because I'm not standing outside of my fucking car. That's Mm. how, like, I don't just pull up on the side of the road and like bust my camera out and take a picture. Like, that's not what I do. Okay. Bighorn sheep are not that way. Like, a, you know, I have seen bighorn sheep on the side of the road, maybe, maybe 10 times in my life. And I can tell you right now that every single time that I seen them, there were no monsters in there because the monsters are smart. Yeah. They're like, I'm not going down there with the fucking humans and the cars and like getting hunted or, or getting, you know, coming down to the level of people and other animals. That's why they stay up. That's why bighorn sheep and goats stay high because the probability of them running into a human or a cougar or a mountain lion or a fucking bear or any other kind of predator that might try to attack them is very unlikely the higher they are. So what that means for people is that requires fucking effort. And I can tell you right now, most people don't want to put in the fucking effort, you know? Um, And I think that's also kind of the reason why my page has grown the way it's grown because I mean, let's just be for real here, man. How many, how many wildlife photographers do you see? And I'm not trying to sound boastful, but it's a fucking fact. Like how many wild, and I follow some big dudes. I follow some guys that have like millions of followers, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, I'm not even close to being like that, but I've had guys that have these followers follow me and message me back. Like, bro, I don't even know how the fuck you do that. You know? And it's like, and I go up there for a picture. Like it's a fucking picture. Like it's a picture that somebody looks at on their phone and they like it. And then they scroll past it and they probably will never think about that picture again. Mm. But I take that, I take that much pride in knowing that, but I don't know if it's like, you know, I, I kind of, I grew up competitive in the sense of like my family, you know, I've been sports actually, actually, I don't even know if it still exists, but I hold, I did hold the, the, uh, the state track record, uh, for the 400 meter dash in, in high school. Um, and I don't know if it's still there. Honestly, I haven't looked it up and that was like almost 15, 20 years ago. So I really don't know, but I'm saying playing football and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I grew up very competitive and I grew up in a competitive environment and being in the Marine Corps, I was an infantryman. Um, I don't know if you know what an infantryman is. Um, do you know what an infantryman is? Mm, What exactly is that? Okay. And and, an infantryman is a rifleman. I was, I was a foot soldier. Oh, like, okay. Uh, trying to think of like every, every, like, like, just like I was the dude on the ground. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and most people, and this is funny. Most people, when they join the Marine Corps, they'll become an infantryman and they'll stay an infantryman for four years and then they'll move into something different in the Marine Corps, whether it's like 
teaching or being a drill instructor or being a rifle, uh, combat rifle instructor or doing things that are more in the teaching element, you know what I mean, of, of the Marine Corps. Because the Marine Corps kind of feels like the first four years is like that's the years that you put in to like do what your job was in the Marine Corps. Um, and my whole time in the Marine Corps, after the first four years, when I re-enlisted, I stayed infantry again. So I actually did infantry for eight years. Um, I'm a two-time Purple Heart recipient. I was wounded twice. I was shot once, and then I was hit with a grenade. Um, I lost not the top of my foot, but I had the top of my foot uh, almost amputated uh, by a grenade. And, and you're still um, doing all the stuff you're doing? Fuck yeah, dog. That's yes. fucking insane, man. That's impressive. Yes. But I'm saying all that because, like, my mindset for me is always about, like, I don't want to say doing better than people, yeah. but doing better than the standard. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And my wife always tells me, you could ask her, I mean, you know, I mean, not that I guess you ever would, but I'm just saying, like, if my wife was on here and she'd be like, she would say, he always has to do things the hardest. Mm. He always has to do the hardest things. Yeah. It always has to be the hardest way done or, or, or the hardest thing that can be done. You know, I don't know. I don't usually tell people this cause it's never really been a subject, but in my like five year plan and my like goals to meet in the next five years, I 100% want to climb Mount Everest just to say I did it. Like, yeah. yep. Did it like add it into my repertoire of, of shit that I've done in my life. And, uh, I Man, just, you got a story. The one thing about <laughs> the, the, the one thing about photography is like, like I said, it's, it's filled with a lot of lazy people. Yeah. You know what I mean? A, a lot of people are lazy and that's okay. Good pictures, great shots. I follow guys that are like, bro, you couldn't make it over a fucking hill if I paid you to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you would not make it and they take great pictures and yeah, that's great. But I look at those pictures and I'm like, you know, everybody else looks at it and they're like, wow. And I'm like, wow too. But I'm like, I mean, okay. Like everybody else. You know what I mean? Like everybody else, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Where is, where's the, where's the struggle? Where's like having to climb a fucking mountainside to sit on an edge and like creep over to the left and like take a picture of a big horn sheep or a mountain goat. You know what I mean? Like where's the, where's, where's the strive in it? Where's the drive? You know? And again, that's why I feel like, especially when I started doing this, Bighorn sheep wasn't really a thing. I've been on Instagram now for like, I think I'm on four, three and a half months. I've been on Instagram now. Mm -hmm. And I have, I think over 70, I have, I know I have over, but I don't know how much. Um, I have over 70,000 followers. And I Shit. see that, I see that in myself as saying, what people are seeing is people are seeing something they've never seen. Yeah. People are seeing something in a way that they've never seen it because nobody ever fucking does it that way. Mm. You know what I mean? Nobody ever is like, Oh dude, you know, I got a kayak. You know, I got to do a two mile kayak and then get there and then climb like, you know, three, four, 5,000 feet and hike about 10 to 12 miles that day. And then kayak back, you know what I mean? And kayak those two miles, you know, it, I have, there's a video on my Instagram where I'm kayak, I'm, I'm in a canoe with my wife. She went with me one time and, um, the trip goes like this. It's about two miles to canoe to the Island. And I'm not going to get too specific on the Island because I don't want to. Yeah. Okay? So, so it's about a two mile kayak to an Island and you get to this Island and then this Island has easily, I mean, fuck man, 
it's, it's, it's not a big Island, but the Island has really big mountains on it. It's mm-hmm. kind of a wild thing to see. It's like literally a fucking mountain surrounded by a moat almost is think of like a huge castle with a moat around it. Okay. It's, it's the oddest thing, but it's like, it's a lake. You got this fucking Island and then boom, you have these huge mountains. Right. And so the day I took my wife, she wanted to go. And I'm like, are you sure you want to go? And she's like, yeah, I want to go with you. And I'm like, you want to fucking see like for real. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, keep up. Cause you know, I don't get to do this all the time because it does take a lot of work and it's extremely energy depleting. And, um, she went with me that day. So we canoed two miles there. We hiked about 12 miles. We ascended about 4,800 feet, if I remember correctly. So that's, you know, going up and up and up, you know, up and down. But my watch is counting every time I go up, not every time I go down. Um, and, uh, dude, I, 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 and, and then after all that, right. So about 10 to 12 miles of hiking, I think it was like, I think it was like 11.2 or something like that. And then we had to put all the gear back in the canoe. Mind you, I'm carrying gear. So I got my camera, my pack. She has her bag, food, water, extra gear, extra jackets. God forbid we get caught in a storm. Who knows? Okay. Put all that back in the canoe and then canoe back two miles. She was like, I am fucking destroyed. And like, that's where I'm saying with photography that people get lazy. You know what I mean? The effort is, it isn't there no more. It's so easy to just drive somewhere and get out of your car and just, you know, take a couple pictures. And that's also why I was going to say it like this. That's also why you don't see big horse sheep like mine on Instagram. Yeah. Now, would you say, you see those... would you say your mentality came from being a Marine or were you always like this? I would say that the Marine Corps honed in that mentality. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, when I got out of the Marine Corps, man, I was almost a staff sergeant. Um, and so I had went from being a, private i started at the very bottom some guys sometimes when guys get in the marine corps depending on um um depending on like if they get certain points for doing things before they get in they might start at like private first class instead of private you know or lance corporal instead of private first class either way when i got in the marine corps i started at the bottom man i was private i was a point man um and i went through you know three, no, no, I'm sorry, four deployments, one of which was two deployments. One was a year long uh, through my time in the Marine Corps until I was wounded, wounded the time that actually like got me medically discharged. Um, and I think the Marine Corps, you know, you hone in that drive, you know what I mean? Like you hone in that, like, I'm going to fuck this up. You know what I mean? Or like, I could, I, I can do that. No fucking problem. Let's go kick that fucking door in. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's like, I don't want to call it like a brainwashing, but you could call it that there's like a mindset that has to be like turned over, you know, in the sense of like being able to push through when things don't feel like they're able to be pushed through. Mm. Um, and, and giving you that kind of like extra mentality of like, you're almost like a superhero, but you're not, you know what I mean? Like you're a bad motherfucker, you know what I mean? Which is kind of the way, kind of the way like the ring, you know, like most people's idea of the Marine Corps is when you say, oh, he was a fucking Marine, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, you hear a guy say, oh, he was in the army. You're like, cool. <laughs> no, because like, you know, being a Mar- like, I have some friends. I, I don't know if they're still active, but I think they do like reserves or whatever or something like that now. Yeah. But they were Marines and they're they're like the tough, some of the toughest people I know. Yeah. Man. Like they're I mean, like, they're a, just like a, you. Their mouth, yeah. The, their mentality is just, you know, go, go, go. Like, I don't know yeah, any pussy like Marines. I don't think, at least I don't yeah, know no, no, any. 
no, you know, at least especially coming from the infantry. And that's so I'll say this, my time in the infantry, I really wasn't around female Marines. Um, I really didn't do much outside the Marine Corps. Um, and it's funny because being in the infantry in the Marine Corps, um, so in the Marine Corps, if you're in the infantry, I know people have heard this term before, but if you're in the infantry in the Marine Corps, you're called a grunt, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the Marine Corps, you have what's also then called a POG, P-O-G, a POG. And that means personnel other than grunt. So even in, even in the Marine Corps, we, you know, there is a standard that we completely separate ourselves from people when it comes to like what they are, because I hold, I'm better than you because I'm a fucking grunt and you're not, Mm -hmm. you're a fucking cook. You're a fucking paper pusher. You're a truck mechanic. And as much as everybody else has their place because of that grunts carry themselves, we carry ourselves that we carry ourselves as well as we treated ourselves with a different demeanor than everybody else. Because when it really fucking came down to it, the dude that you were going to be in combat with was not going to be the guy who's over there checking your fucking medical record. It's going to be the guy who's with you. Who's a grunt. Yeah. So we carry ourselves and treat ourselves differently. We hold ourselves to a higher standard. We always look fucking better. We cut our hair every fucking week, even though the Marine Corps standard is every two weeks, but grunts cut their hair every fucking Friday because we hold it better. We're fucking better than you. When I walk in wearing my blues, you know what I mean? And I got all my fucking medals and all my shit and I'm sitting there staring at you. And this guy's been in the Marine Corps for 12 years. And here I was as a fucking Lance corporal with a fucking purple heart combat action ribbon, fucking, you know, Nam with the combat valor device, like all these fucking medals. And I'm staring at this guy, like this dude's been in the Marine Corps for like eight years. And I've been in for like three and in the Marine Corps. Yeah, dude. And in, in the Marine Corps, those things, and it's again, I'm talking about something you don't really understand because it's a military type thing, but those things are like, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's like a pissing contest. It's like a, it's like a, a big dick attitude, if you want to call it. You know what I mean? It's like, like, yeah, you might outrank me, but I've done way more fucking shit than you. And on top of that, I'm a fucking grunt. And yeah. you're you're some fucking guy who folds fucking burritos at Chow Hall. So like, you fuck off. <laughs> you know, you, like, like, like I've had I've had gunnery sergeants and staff sergeants. I've had them buy me booze. Like, hey man, I want to buy you a drink. And I'm like, cool. You know, like I've had them buy me drinks instead of me buying it for them because yeah. they look at my fucking they look at my fucking chest and they're like, fuck, dude. Like, I don't even hold a candle, this dude. And and it's like not just me, but like grunts in general. You know, you know, there's things that you get into being in the infantry that nobody else in the Marine Corps ever sees. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's cool to be a fucking fighter pilot, but I mean, dude, I was on the fucking rooftops with fucking tracer fire in the middle of the night, calling in on the fucking radio, telling the fighter pilot where to drop his fucking bomb, you know, so that he could hurry up and fly back and go enjoy his fucking donut and coffee. You know what I mean? While I was sitting on the fucking rooftop, sent rounds downrange, you know, you know, it's like those things like, okay, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you're a fighter pilot. That's tight. You know what I mean? It's super cool, man. It looks great. You know what I mean? But when push comes to fucking shove, bro, you're not, you're not, you're not the one that's listening to the rounds snap by, you know what I mean? And you're yelling at the top of your lungs because everybody's firing and you're trying to yell at the dude that's next to you to get his attention to move his fucking squad forward. Like, you know, so that's why like for me, like, yeah, like for instance, like Top Gun looks super cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Looks looks like a great movie but take that 
and then put those kind of in perspective with like saving private Ryan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come on, dog. Private like, Ryan. Fucking for real. What took more? What took, I don't want to say moxie, but I guess you could say moxie. You know, what took fucking more moxie? You know, the dude on the ground who was like shooting fucking Germans at, you know, 10 fucking feet away. Or like me, you know, me and my, me and my squad fucking kicking indoors in Fallujah and dropping grenades down fucking stairwells and shit like that. Like, see, so, you uh, know, it's funny because like I'm going on a rant because you can see where the differentiation starts. You know what I mean? You know, no, yeah, he's I, a I fighter mean, pilot, but yeah, yeah, he's a fighter pilot, but he has three ribbons. You know, he's a fighter, he's a fighter pilot and a captain or, or a major. And he has like, you know, eight ribbons. Here I am as a Lance Corporal and I got like fucking four rows of ribbons and I got fucking medals and all that kind of shit. And here I am walking around. I've been in Marine Corps for two fucking years. Why? Because the Marine Corps understands the military in general understands that the man on the ground is doing way more and is putting way more at, at, at stake than the man who's flying in the sky or who's doing something on a truck or who's, you know, and they each has their place. But like I said, the differentiation is there. And so that mindset of like, I can fuck shit up. I can do it. I, I have the drive. My body can take it. You know what I mean? That mindset, I think, gets more honed in. Because even the guy that's joining the Marine Corps is already thinking that way. You know, every person in the Marine Corps has a little bit of an attitude when they get there. Like, I'm a bad motherfucker. Or they think they're cool. Or, you know, like, they have this mindset of like, I want to be better. That's why they join the Marine Corps. Yeah. That's why the Marine, that's why the Marine Corps is also so small because we don't just take shit dudes. You know what I mean? The, the, the physical fitness test for the Marine Corps is, is a three mile run, a hundred sit-ups and 20 pull-ups. And I can fucking tell you right now that the Marine Corps has what? 200,000 people in it right now. The army has a million. Like that's right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Go the, ahead. The, 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 Marine, the Marine Corps is so small that it's not even its own branch. It is a, it is, it, it is a breakoff branch from the Navy. It's not even its own branch. Like the Navy army coast guard, they all have their own branch in the department of defense, but the Marine Corps is so small that it's connected to the Naval branch. It's not even its own branch. That's wild. So that's why, so that's why when it comes to like being in the Marine Corps, that's why you like hold yourself at a higher standard because you are that little bit. And then on top of that, being in the Marine Corps, which has like 200,000 people, then the Marine Corps has the infantry, which is even smaller. Long story, freaking short. It's just a different standard that, you know, I would like to say that infantry Marines hold themselves to. And this is coming from an infantry Marine. You know, I see the outside. And so, you know, using terms like, for instance, like the one I told you, like a pogue, you know what I mean? In the Marine Corps, that's like a slander. You know what I mean? That's like, that's like you telling somebody you know, fuck you. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, and so I say pogue because, you know, it's meant to be one of those things where if you're not in the infantry, you're a pogue, you know, and it's like a, you're not as good as kind of a thing. So that being that kind of a standard um, that it is, it gives you that mindset from the get go of, you know, that mindset of I'm better. I, I, I'm better because I am better. You know what I mean? I'm better because even the Marine Corps says I'm better. You know what I mean? There's a different standard there. So that mindset of like being able to do things, like you said, or having a, a mentality of like pushing yourself further um, is very much a part of my life, you know, 
even to the point of my wife sometimes is like, Hey, you know, cause I'm, you know, I have a son, he's a, he's eight. <clears throat> and, um, I, I sometimes, not all the time, but I'll, I'll admit sometimes I can be a little rough on him. You know what I mean? Because I want him to be driven, you know, right. I want him to be like, you know, a, a, a drive for it. And, and even if, even if the odds are against you, and even if the world is against you in different ways, and I have, many many uh of stories you know do you feel I want him like to be able to know go ahead. oh go go ahead i'm sorry what were you saying about no, no, no. i was I, I was just attaching to like i just want him to be able to know that he can achieve it yeah it's hard but it can be done you know what i mean so especially yeah. when it's coming from a place of love when you see something you care about and you know that they're maybe not living to their fullest potential yeah 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 for, for sure and honestly for me it's kind of like you know, I, I, I know what I can do. Yeah. So I expect, I expect myself to meet the standard that I've set for myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'll be honest every day that I do stuff, you know what I mean? I find that I, you know, I push myself into a, into a new situation where, you know, I, I find that I grow, I grow a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of growth there. And, um, that, that's what I think, especially with bighorn sheep photography is like, it immediately required more go- more growth from me because it said, Hey, look, you know, if you really want to get out there and you want, and you want to be the dude, you know what I mean? Because I'm starting to get people that message me like, Hey, yeah, uh, I-, I told somebody asked where this picture was from. And I told them to go check out the bighorn sheep dude on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to be, and I just say Instagram as, as a, as a subject in the sense of, because that's where you met me, but you know, it required me to immediately make myself better because if I wanted to be able to kind of capture those kinds of images and, and, and be there to capture those images, I had to like put myself on, on a new plane. You know what I mean? I had to tell myself, okay, you got to raise the bar a little bit more now, you know, even more than, you know, pretty much anything else that I've ever done other than maybe elk hunting. Um, but yeah. So would you say that, uh, as far as the military and the mindset goes, do you figure or have you seen it personally where guys didn't have such a strong mentality and then they came out stronger after they got done with the, the Marines? Yeah, I, I would say that again. So I'll say this. You hear the lightning and thunder? I don't know yeah. if you heard that or not, but. Yeah, I, I'm literally, yeah, it's, it was sunny like 10 minutes ago. I think I told you, I was like, it's sunny outside and there's a storm coming. <laughs> now it's lightning thunder. Um, so I would say that, I'll, I'll say this. Most of the guys that join the Marine Corps and join the Marine Corps and go into the infantry mm-hmm. don't really don't really need somebody to like build up their mindset mm. or, or build up their personality. Most of them are athletic people that have, 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 uh, competitive, you know, have been competitive, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's what the Marine Corps, that's what the Marine Corps wants. They want somebody who under fucking fire, you know what I mean? Can pull themselves together, have a clear fucking mind and, and be able to either, either negotiate and neutralize the enemy or move forward in a firefight. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. like, that's a hard thing to teach people. You know what I mean? Is it, it's hard to teach somebody to move towards the gunfire. You know what I mean? That's not something that is taught or, or is like the reaction. 
you know, especially, you know, and, and, and so I'm saying all that because that mindset of like moving towards the gunfire, I think also moves into somebody who has a, who has a competitive mindset and a strong will like, fuck yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let's fucking move it. You know, let's, let's, let's go right in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, think about, I mean, I mean, and that, and that's just, that's just the infantry in general from the beginning of the Marine Corps until now, like to be able to move into an enemy location and know that you could, or you will be killed is, you know, there's a famous battle in the Marine Corps and it's a part of Marine Corps lore. And it's actually one of the, it's actually one of the greatest stories I think in the Marine Corps uh, besides other handful um, is in the story. Um, these Marines, this is in world war one and the Marines are in a, in, in a, in a open like uh, wheat field and there's like woods on each side of the wheat field. And it's a big open area wheat field. I think it was like three, 400 yards between the two sides of the woods. Okay. And the Marine Corps, the Marines um, are on one side of the woods and the German army is on another. And the Marine Corps didn't know how many Germans there were on the other side. Um, But they did know that it was a substantial force bigger than the Marine Corps. Or, or at least bigger than this unit of Marines. And um, it's called the Battle of Bella Wood. You should look it up. And they, the, Marine, the Marines ran across an open field in a barrage of gunfire and still overtook the Germans. Wow. Holy shit. And it, yeah, like it, it was like, it was like, it, it's a famous battle because in the battle, like, like as they were running across the field to attack, uh, a famous, a famous uh, um, Marine. Uh, I think his, I think it was Dan Daly was his name, uh, if I remember correctly, or it might have been Smedley Butler. I'm sorry, I, I don't remember all the names offhand anymore as much as I probably should. But the famous saying is, he was like, "Come on, guys." Uh, he said something like, "Come on, um, don't you want to live forever?" Mm. Saying like this, like we, we yeah, That's we all goosebumps. know we're gonna die. Yeah, like, and as they were going across the field, he was like, now, come on, like, don't you want to live forever? And so apparently in that saying, I don't know exactly how, how, how it went down, but that's how it goes in the story. They rushed the field and they were fucking slaughtered and they still made it across the field and still overtook the Germans. And there's a famous painting of a Marine stabbing a German with a, with a, um, with a bayonet. Like I said, if you look it up on your phone right now, you just Google Battle of Bella Wood painting you'll see the picture and uh, it's a famous picture man. And, and they're fighting in gas masks and trenches. It's a fucking gnarly ass picture, but I'm saying the mindset of the Marine Corps has always been that way. Fight to the last man. Did you know that in the Marine Corps, in the infantry, no Marine, no Marine Corps unit has ever surrendered. They've always fought to the last man. Wow. What was the, the name Army, of the battle? The Army, battle of Bella Wood. B-E-L-L-A-U. And then wood, W O D. So would you Battle say of Bell of Wood? So would you say the Marine Corps basically is like a prospector where they sift out like the real from the not? So like no, even like the Marine Corps, I, I would say that it's so real that people don't need to be prospected out. But I'm saying like you know, there's people that they think they can do it, but then they you said since it's a small number of people that have actually got to that where you're actually at. And like my buddy Nathan yeah, is yeah. a Marine. So like I said, there are some okay. people that thought they could be a Marine, but they didn't have, I guess, that fight or flight mentality where they're going to run yeah. into something instead of running away. 
Because you know, so, so I think a lot of people think they're tough until it's it comes down to it. Especially what I've been seeing, like I've seen some people post on Facebook, but I don't comment on it. But I see it, and they'll comment yeah. about like the school shooting or the stuff that happened at the grocery store, and they're like, "Well, give me my gun and let me go." Like it's easy to say you can do something until you're in that situation. Yeah, you know, I everybody think thinks they're tough it. until they're in that you know that reality. Yeah. And you've it's, actually it's, lived um, it, and most of us have it, you know. So it's like, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Like you know, like I, I remember I, I have I have a I have a buddy who's a cop, and uh, you know he's been like, yeah, I've been a cop for like you know six six or seven years, and you know I've never ever you know had to draw my gun or you know I I had to draw my gun but I had to like shoot you better than that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, like I mean that's that's a strenuous job, yeah. you know what I mean? And I sit there and I think to myself like, fuck, dude, that's like. You know, to have to go in every day with the possibility of, you know, but then at the same time, so I, I say all this because we were having a conversation one time and he's like, fuck, dude. He's like, I can't even think of like being in Iraq or Afghanistan and like walking out into combat. Yeah. You're not walking to like drive around, like give somebody a fucking parking ticket. You are walking out of the wire. You are leaving base and moving into whatever direction you're going in search of the, the, the infantry. Like, so, so there's like, um, like, what do I, want? I don't want to say motto, but it's not a motto. It's like a, it's like a declaration as to like what you are as an infantryman. You know what I mean? Like it, it, as a way of like, you know, like if somebody said, what is it that an infantryman, what is it that an infantryman does? Yeah. Like, what do you do? And literally in the Marine Corps, you're taught when you become an infantryman, you're taught what is it, what, what an infantryman does is he locate, close with and destroy the enemy. I fire and maneuver and repel the enemy assault by fire and close combat. That's your job. That's, that's what your job is. Like if you looked up your title and were like, what does an infantryman do? And they had like the little print at the bottom. Mm -hmm. That's what the description is. Your job is strictly to go out and look for the enemy. Your job is to fight him. That's your job. And so he's saying, and him saying that because he was like, I can't think of like, that's not what I go do. Yeah. You know, I was never, I'm never out looking for it. It just happens. And then when it happens, it's over in a couple seconds. You know, dude, I've been in firefights that last hours, hours, you know what I mean? And I, and it's like, and it's like, you know, pop shots here, pop shots there. Then it gets into this heavy barrage and then it's shooting here, shooting there, heavy barrage. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, hours, man. And it's like, you'll sit there and it's just, you know, but again, it's that mindset of like, you know, I'm, I I can do it. I'm better than, you know what I mean? And going and, and being in places where, and then, like I said, it's all a part of the Marine Corps too. You know, most of the guys that when, when it's time for people to join the Marine Corps, they're joining the Marine Corps because they already have that kind of a mentality with them anyways. Mm-hmm. They already have a kind of a, no, no matter what they end up doing, just because they join the Marine Corps, they're already that kind of a person. Yeah, You know what I mean? Where they're like strong-willed, competitive, uh, self-confident, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, confident in what they have and who they are, at least in a sense of like what they can and can't do. You know what I mean? So it's like and you so have to I have an we, ego. At one dude, living in the barracks with a bunch of dudes in the infantry, dude, is it's a it's a um it's a harsh environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's not like fucking, you know, it's not like uh it's not like being in a fucking dorm with a bunch of twenty one year old retards, you know what I mean, <laughs> drinking beer and yeah, you know, it's like you know, I like I think of like what I was like when I was twenty one. You know what I mean? When I was twenty one, I was fucking I already, I had already been wounded in combat. Yeah. I've already been in Iraq, I think twice. You know what I mean? And wow. I remember when I came back, I remember when I had come back. Yeah. This was 20. 
21, somewhere in there. I wasn't even able to fucking drink beer yet, technically. And uh, when I came back, I remember after my second deployment, I, I wanted to go to start going to school. So I started going to school. And I remember sitting in those fucking classes and I'd be like, dude, these mother, like, they, like they just, people just bothered me. Like mm. you have no fucking idea. Like yeah. you truly have no fucking idea what is, you know what I mean? Like you have no idea what it's like to just experience hardship. And I say all that because like I said earlier with my own personal life, it's hard for me to be, I don't want to say compassionate, but I'm not very compassionate. You know, and it's just, I think it's kind of a roll off of like the rancor and being that way and, and not being able to be that way. I don't have time for compassion. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, and that's why a lot of guys come back with these fucking mental issues, you know, and, and had to deal with PTSD as I did myself, you know, because you don't have time to process the situation. Like you ever seen a dude get shot in the chest? You know what I mean? You watch a dude get shot in the chest and like you sit there and you drag him and throw him in the truck and then you keep moving forward. We don't have time to talk about it. Like, I don't got time for you to cry. Like suck it the fuck up and keep fucking going. Like we're not done yet. You know what I mean? Like, cause everything is life or death there. Yeah. And everything is like, I don't have time for it. Yeah. Like, unless it's substantial, like you lost your fucking leg and you know, I I, I mean, I can see, I guess it's not even a situation that's that's even a good example, but I'm saying like, the time to grieve, the time to mourn, the time to, 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 to process what's happening. It really just doesn't exist because we have to keep going. So I say all that because I, in my own personal life, there's times where my wife's like, you need to be a little more compassionate. You know what I mean? Like be a little more understanding to what's going on with people. And most of most time I'm like, dude, you know, like this fucking dude, he could fucking do it. Like stop being a little bitch, get up on the fucking ladder. You know what I mean? Like my compassion is very minimal because I know, I feel like I know what people are capable of. We're just fucking soft. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's really what it is. People nowadays are, I don't want to get into a rant, but no, you're people nowadays are fucking soft, man. Yeah. They're soft, dude. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, you've I seen mean, real I, world shit that most people, most people will bitch about their order being wrong. And then you've dealt with seeing, you know, people getting yeah. shot or being maimed in yeah, you know, war. It's just like, yeah. You know, or, 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 or like I think of this is a, this is a good one. One time I was with a friend and who I was I was married and uh, we had our first son. I think we went with some friends. And either way, we ended up staying in this really nasty ass hotel in Las Vegas by accident. Uh-huh. And it was this like shitty ass hotel. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> and uh, um, dude, they had like plastic under the under the carpet. There was a big hole in the carpet. It was plastic under it. The, the mattress had like a big ass blood stain in the corner of it. Like, dude, it was gross. And anyway. I'm saying I, we didn't end up staying there because I, I didn't want to let my son, you know, he was a baby at the time, be walking around and stuff. We were going uh, to, to um, uh, back home in California, and uh, uh, that's why we stopped there. Either way, so we go there, and I remember him complaining about it, and I remember being like, Doug, like, I was like, that's a fucking, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's nasty, but it's a bed. Yeah. Like, dude, I slept, I, I, I slept in a sandy ditch for like eight, eight, nine months on my first deployment. You know what I mean? I didn't shower on my first deployment for six months. I have a picture of me with caked up goo on my head. That's just dirt and, and sweat. And like, it, it was, <laughs> it was wild. But I mean, like, so for me, like when I hear, you know, it, again, my compassion level for people that just, and again, I think that's where that falls into the big horn sheet thing mm. because, you know, yeah, it's fucking cold, but I mean, you know, okay, it's cold. 
like deal with it. Like, okay. Yeah. You got to fucking hike 10 miles, but I mean like, so what, you know what I mean? It's like, be more for yourself, push yourself. You know what I mean? Find, find your limits. And I can tell you that your limits are a lot further than what you think that they are. You just have never had to, you have never told yourself to push them any further. Yeah. You know what I mean? We as humans and people, dude, we're fucking capable of incredible things. If we would just sit there and, and, and be able to focus down, you know what I mean? And I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm like some incredible person, but in my own personal life, I strive for more personally. You know what I mean? I, I want more. You know, when I, when, yeah, I mean, at least when it comes to, you know, again, with my photography and stuff, you know, when I, peep, when I, when people see me, I want them to be like, damn, like I would do that. Like I would try to do that, you know, it, it to be an inspiration to people to do more with their photography instead of just like, you know, driving down the road. How did you get into photography? Just, it was actually by accident. So I, I well, not by accident, but so I was big, I do a lot of hunting and stuff in my own personal life. And a couple of years ago, I was like, dude, I was like, you know, sometimes I see such beautiful things, you know, landscape wise, at least and animals here and there, but not like being able to take pictures of them. Um, but you know, like I want, you know, maybe get a camera. So I bought a, I bought like a little T5I off of Craigslist. Um, and I originally, I started off doing like landscape, like trying to do landscape and, you know, it's just never never really landed and then i was doing you know i do animals here and there and slowly over time you know my camera would get a little bit better i'd sell it and keep it a new one for a while and sell that one and bump up to a new one like you know pretty much just like working my way up in a sense you know what i mean and uh it just so i'll say this the photography world is is not very friendly which is something that i've tried to change with my page i repost peach I, I i look at other people's pictures i repost them on my page like because i remember what it was like to be a photographer or at least a wildlife photographer on instagram and be like dude i wish somebody would just shout me out like put my pictures out there so people could see them mm -hmm. you know and um so I, I try to do that for people but then also dude people like they're just not helpful when it comes to photography, because I think everybody thinks you're going to like steal their style or some shit. You know what I mean? So like, they don't do like, you know, help you how to teach you how to do this. Like sometimes I'll go live and I'll like, you know, just start editing stuff and people can ask questions. And I just go over the information because in all my, you know, in my like two years of doing photography, you know what I mean? Like actually doing photography in a sense of like the time I picked up that camera until now, it's been about two years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think to myself, like, God, if there were so many questions, I wish somebody would have just answered and it would have made my life a whole lot fucking easier mm -hmm. if somebody would have just took the time to just answer this one question for me. But I've messaged these people on Instagram. They never fucking respond to me, you know, or they block me, you know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, and I don't know why photographers in that way. I have like three people in my head. I won't say names, but I have three people specifically in my head that follow me now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like all those times I DM them like, hey, can you like, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Or like, hey, how does this do? And they'd never respond. So when I got into photography and when I like, I guess when my page started to pick up at this point, you know, it got to the, you know, now I'm like making sure that I'm being helpful with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that they, so that they can then move their goals. You know what I mean? So they can be better at it is whatever it is that they're doing. You know, that's what I want, you know? And, yeah. I, and I think that as a photographer, 
Yeah, go ahead. I don't understand why people are like that, though. I, I never get that mentality where you just want to yeah. hoard information or you don't want somebody else in your lane. You know, it's just yeah, like which there's so many people in this world. I mean, there's room for everybody to to eat. So it's like mm-hmm. don't don't think that way. Well, it's like what David said. Yeah, you yeah. know, he's afraid The people are afraid that you're going to take from them if they help. You know, yeah. if you give them if you yeah. show them how to do a certain photography trick or something then you start doing it and you use yours look better oh wait he's doing it yep. better he might take all my you know my followers or he might be you know yep. whatever yes and, and so that's kind of i think where the big horn sheep thing the big horn sheep thing comes in because it's really and i'll say it like this it's really giving me a good niche yeah you know what i mean it's like so big horn sheep are only in the rocky mountain range area so colorado wyoming Montana. Um, and the biggest bighorn sheep in the world are all here where I live in my area, in, 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 in the area of my state. So for me, I guess for me, it's being that way. It's provided me with a Avenue for people to kind of be like, you know, damn, like, I mean, honestly, you can't do it unless you live here. It's not like some guy from making this up. Some guy from France is taking pictures of Rocky mountain, bighorn sheep. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? And so that's, you know, I've had, I've had some discussions with, um, different people here and there. I don't want to name, I'm, I've had discussions and people are like, you realize that you're like the only dude in the world that's taking these pictures. Like you're, you're like the only page in the world that's taking these pictures. That's awesome. And I'm like, and it, when it, and at first I sat there and I was like, fuck, like he's right. Like, you know, Rocky mountain, bighorn sheep are only where in the Rocky mountains, like this is it. And the herds are so small, you know, that it's sparse. So to have a page that has over 70,000 followers. Now I just had this conversation with a guy. Um, so this is going to kind of go with like the things that are happening. Like you said, taking the people out for, you know, photography trips and so this guy works in hollywood and they do um they do like creator he he does like the story finding like a creator where he like pitches stories to uh different tv show uh, like the different networks about different ideas and one of them was what he was what he has seen from mine um with being a wildlife photographer like the way I am as a wildlife photographer. So he was like, dude, I could pitch that as a show. You know what I mean? Like, fuck anybody would watch. It's like hunting, but you're watching somebody shoot photography. You know what I mean? And so you kind of hit a different demographic of people. Anyway. So long story short, he, I, when I was having this conversation with him, he was like, the beauty of it is, is like, there's nobody else in the world that's taking pictures of bighorn sheep like you are Yeah. because they're nowhere else. Cause they're nowhere else in the world. So it's already provided you that kind of like, you know, that kind of, uh, uh, isolation, as to who's taking pictures of bighorn sheep. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. Man, that's fucking impressive. Yeah, it, it works out. I mean, it's honestly, like I said, it's a hobby, you know, at least right now it is, you know, it, it, it makes money, but it doesn't like make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, a couple bucks here and there is always nice. You know what I'm saying? And I know I get people all the time that are like, Hey, uh, do you do wildlife photography? It's like, is that a living? And I'm like, no. And they're like, really? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I, I mean, yeah, I make money, but it's like a drop in the bucket. 
of what my life requires. <laughs> you, you get like it, like at least like <laughs> sponsored by like gear or like um, cameras and stuff or lenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, and so that's where kind of like it hasn't reached that yet. Mm. Um, I had a, I've had a I had one company uh, called um, Low Pro, which is a pack company that carry packs. Um, actually, just two days ago. Um, they commented on one of my, uh, on like, they sent me a DM and they were like, if you're, you know, possibly interested in becoming a, um, a ambassador yeah. for low pro, you know? And, uh, so that's, that's really the only thing I've gotten. I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't get a lot of, um, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I don't get a lot of love from people that do big horn sheep stuff. So it's a lot of like outside stuff. And I'm telling you, they don't do it. They don't like my shit because it makes their shit look bad. And Mm. I don't want to fucking say it that way, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? You know, it's just not the same. And so I think, for instance, like uh, Wild Sheep Foundation, I'm a member of Wild Sheep Foundation. Um, They have an Instagram that has like 90,000 followers or something like that. Um, I believe in what they do i go to their meetings i know the owner i know the ceo his great Thornton. um you know i know him and uh, they have never once ever reposted one of my pictures on instagram ever wow um does that drive you though the, as like a fuck you type mentality oh fuck yeah that's <laughs> that's how, and, and it's funny because my wife has kind of taken on the same like she's like you need to fucking unfollow them She's like, and then when they ask, she's like, she was, she was like, she's like, and then when they ask to use one of your pictures, you need to tell them to fuck off. Yeah. She's like, cause you're, I mean, she, you know, I mean, they have 80,000, 80,000 followers, I think is what it is, but they're an entire foundation. I'm one guy. Yeah. And you've been around what? Three and a half months on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Three and a half, almost four. It's somewhere in there. I have to look at it. Yeah. My last, my first ever picture, but I think it was like February 14th. As a matter of fact, it was in there. Um, either way. So, you know, she, and you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It drives me. Cause I'm like, you know what? Good. So it's funny because, you know, for instance, like with wild sheep foundation, they have a, they have a, um, a dinner or something, whatever, uh, get together dinner thing at Sinead's, which I told you is a company that makes boots, mm-hmm. like these yeah. specific type boots. And so all these companies are all in Bozeman, by the way. Um, and, uh, so this company that makes the boots, and so they're having a big dinner there. And so when they walk in, Sinead's, they don't know this, but Sinead's bought a shit ton of my pictures to put up in their store. So when they walk in the fucking Sinead's, all they're going to see is my fucking big horn sheet, big old 30 by 40 fucking acrylic I saw that on your Instagram. That's fucking yeah, and awesome. That, and, 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 and that's just the little ones. Yeah. There's bigger ones than that. I haven't even gone over there to take, because I'm going to take like an actual like presentation video. Um, to like put on Instagram, but yeah, those were just like the little ones. There's like way bigger ones. One of them's like a four by eight or a four by six foot Damn. acrylic. Wow. Yeah. And they're in their store. So they're going to walk in there, you know, and it's, it's things like that to me that I'm like, yeah, that that's, that to me says, cause they're going to walk in and I don't know who runs the Instagram, but they're going to walk in and you know, they're going to be like, who the fuck's pictures of these you know what i mean and for me in, in my own head that's a win in itself because they're like oh yeah that's david, david martinez this guy you know yeah that's legit, know, and it's man. and it's just yeah it, yeah it's like the stupid politics i really don't i mean honestly man i got i own a construction company that's what i do that's yeah. like my living um 
And, uh, you know, it's, I, I can say that I try not to let Instagram overtake my life because there's, I got way more fucking bigger shit to worry about than Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can say that because it has started to generate revenue, you know what I mean? It's, it has become something that I'm like, okay, like I actually have to vote, you know what I mean? Some effort to like some actual timely effort in the sense of like, after being, you know, after being out in the field with the, sh- with the big horns and stuff like that, like I actually have to devote time to like doing videos and, you know, uh, uh, you know, editing pictures and like, it's become more serious now. It's not just like whenever I want to now it's like Instagram requires it, you know, Instagram monetized me, you know what I mean? So it's like, in order to make money, I got to be able to post shit, mm. you know? So it's like you make money, but you got to be able to be like on top of your shit, you know? So it's like a different requirement, you know, as especially being monetized now, through Instagram and them like saying, Hey, we'll pay you if you post, like, we'll give you X amount of dollars for a post and we'll give you X amount of dollars for a reel. You know what I mean? And so to be able to be paid, like to be able to get paid to fucking post on Instagram, it was like, okay. It's an incentive, like, man, for moment, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of a sudden it just got more serious. Like, yeah. okay, they're going to like give, give me money now for my pictures, you know? Um, and yeah, like, it, like I said, in that moment, it became more like, okay, we need to put a little more focus into it. You know what I mean? So did you learn, do you teach yourself how to edit and everything else like that too? Yes. Wow. That's yeah. So I kind man. of, so I took, I, I, I always tell people this cause people always ask me, Oh yeah, where'd you go to school to do photography? I'm like, dude, I never went to school. I YouTubed. I have a ton of books in my, I have a ton of books in my uh, little bookshelf where my desk is at and all that, you know, photography and digital photography and wildlife is blah, blah, you know, I'm, I'm very much a reader. Um, but I'm more of like, a, 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 I read sections. I don't like to read the book. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, I'll sit there and be like, okay, I want to learn this. So I'll read just specifically that section. I love to read, but I'm like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit down and read pride of prejudice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, In the yeah. sense of like a book of that size or all at one time. Um, so yeah, I just kind of taught myself in understanding like what, what really changed the game for me. When you go on Lightroom, there's an area called histogram. And it's an area where you can bend and manipulate the colors to be a certain way. And the beauty of the histogram is, is that it, it, it gives you, um, origin, it gives you, um, ex- like it makes your style specific to you because nobody, unless, I mean, I don't know, but nobody can truly mimic your style the way you do it because there's billions of ways you can adjust the colors in the histogram to do different things. You know what I mean? And so, that's why when you look at my pictures, they're very dark. Well, not dark, but like the colors are like dramatic mm-hmm. and deep, but not, but not fake and oversaturated. You know what I mean? It's like a, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a difference. And I also think that that's why people seem to like the page more. Um, and that's also why I really don't like wildlife photography in general um, on Instagram typically um, because it looks regular. Mm. Like there's, there's, there's nothing great about it. Like, like they took it with their iPhone picture, or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The colors are all the same. I, I, I see it exactly how I see it in my eyeball. Yeah. Like, it's exactly how it looks in the picture. Like, yeah, it's a great picture, probably done with an incredible lens and blah, 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 blah. But it just looks like a picture. Yeah. Like, you didn't... There's there's nothing in the shot that makes you go, fuck, that, that pulls you in. Yeah, you know your stuff looks like art. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. I'm sorry, say that again? Your stuff looks like art. Okay. So that's, that's where I, that's my goal. 
Yeah. He's like, I want it to be like, when you look at it, I want you to sit there and like, look into the picture. Yeah. Look at the details, look at the hair, look at the whiskers, look at, you know, look at the cut above his eye. Look at the, look at, look at the horns. Like when, when I edit my pictures, I want the horns to look like if you ran your hand across the picture, you could feel the bumps. Mm. You can, you could feel the, um, it's called, um, it's called the, um, uh, annuli, which is the rings around a ram's horns as they grow they get these rings and they're called growth rings and it's kind of how you can uh, how you can guesstimate the age of a ram is how many rings he has as the horns grow so as the horns get longer the you start to see more rings and um those rings give you a lot of like depth and texture in the picture and so when you look at the picture i want you to be like wow like i feel like i could feel that in my hand like what it feels like you know maybe like you know, maybe it feels like running your hand over a tree of bark, you know, like in the sense of bumpy and gritty, but smooth, you know, it's like, and those things in my own head are the ways that I make my pictures, you know? So when I was messing around with Lightroom, which again, I started doing this like two years ago, I was learning and I paid for classes with guys on Instagram of like understanding how colors work and this, this, that, and the other. And so finally coming up with the way that I edit my pictures is, is solely exclusive to me. You know, people have asked me, Hey, can I buy your edit? And I'm like, fuck no. You know what I mean? You can't buy what I've taken time to and taken what I have like honed in to be just me. You know what I mean? People have literally asked me like, Hey dude, I'll pay you like 200 bucks if you can send me your edit, mm-hmm. you know, cause you can pretty much on Lightroom, you can copy the edit. If you've never used Lightroom, it's hard to explain, but you can copy what's called a preset, which is your edit. And you can put it onto a picture and then send it to somebody on an email. And then when they open it up, the edit appears in the graphs and everything that's on the side of the picture where you start to manipulate and edit the picture in colors and texture and and clarity and all that kind of stuff that you can do to a picture. Um, It appears there. So it's like a way to give somebody your edit, you know, and they immediately have it the way you have it. And so I've had people ask me to pay for it. And I'm like, I don't sell it. You know what I mean? I have worked too hard and I have, you know, strived and learned too much to sell what is essentially my biggest moneymaker, which is the way my pictures look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, you know, I mean, that probably took you a long time to get, get it down. Right. Yeah. 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 It took me. So like, so I had, I had two Instagrams. Um, the first one I had, when I first started, I got it to about 20,000 followers. And, um, because of, I was going to say it short and sweet because of being in the military and blah, 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 blah. Um, Instagram closed my Instagram account. Okay. And this was like two years ago. So we can all imagine what was happening two years ago. Okay. So, uh, and I I think it was just, you know, me being pro military and all that kind of shit. Okay. So regardless of that, so they closed it. So when that happened, I kind of like, was like, fuck it. Like I give up. Like, I I don't, you know, photography is fun, but it's like, you know, I had 20, I had 20,000 and I'm like, dude, I'm never going to get there again. So it just, I'm not even going to try and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I didn't do photography for about three months. And then one day my wife was on the computer and she looks at me and she goes, Hey, she goes, have, did you see, have you seen this picture? And it was a picture of a bighorn that I had taken a long time ago. And I looked at it and I was like, fuck, that's a good picture. Like, you know, cause I hadn't looked at any of my photography on my computer for a couple months, Yeah, you know? And so I looked at it and I'm like, damn, that's actually a good picture. So when that happened, I was like, okay, I got, I, I was like reading a lot of forums on Reddit, um, for like 
photography styles and this, this, that, and the other. And so I made a Reddit account and then I started posting my Ram pictures on Reddit. Mm. And on Reddit, people were like, yo, who the fuck is this dude? Like, does he have an Instagram? Do you have a website? Can we buy a picture? And I had, shit, dude, I had like, I think I had like 10,000 karmas, which is like followers on Reddit in like two weeks. Damn. And I had people buying pictures and I'm like, you know, and it was like, again, people hadn't seen kind of like Bighorn that way. So then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to make an Instagram. And my wife's like, okay, like, yeah, go for it. So I made the Instagram and well, now here we are. So I'm saying all that because it was, it, it, it happened fast, but it happened in a way like I had to like sit back off the photography for a while to realize and I don't want to make it sound like this. And I say this at a personal way, like as in me talking to myself, I had to like step back from my photography to realize that like, I was like, fuck dude, you are that good. You know, like those pictures are that fucking good. You know what I mean? Like, like be more confident in yourself and in your photography. You know what I mean? You know, because I always felt like, Oh, I wasn't a wildlife photographer because I wasn't like these dudes, you know, that had, you know, 30, 30,000 followers or has it wasn't selling as much pictures as them. But now that I, now, now that I know what I know, dude, you're not no fucking wildlife photographer. You know what I mean? You take fucking pictures. Like, yeah. cool. you know, like that, like, that's just how I look at it. You know what I mean? And obviously to each their own, again, my mindset is just, I'm saying, and this is how I speak to myself in my own head. You know what I mean? Like I talk to myself and I look at people that try to judge, that try to judge or are, or should I say are upset at the way that my pictures are going or the way that my account has moved, you know what I mean? That they have unfollowed me or something like that. You know what I mean? I see that as a win. Like I'm like, good. Cause it is, cause now that tells me it is that fucking good. You just, you just maybe didn't like me. You know, you just were putting up with me because I didn't have as many followers as you and fucking gay saying it that way. Cause I hate Instagram in that regard, but you know, it, it, it gives me more drive. I guess yeah. is what it is to do, to be better. Like, so I don't know if you guys know this, but in Mongolia, so this is another goal of mine. Like I told you, I have like five-year goals or, or I should say more like three. Um, but one of them was to climb Mount Everest. I said that. And then my other one is, so there is a Ram in Mongolia called a Marco Polo Ram. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but those are the biggest Rams in the world. And you should look it up because they're fucking incredible to look at. Um, and they're called Argli, A-R-A-G-L-I, Argli. And it's the Mongolian word for ram. And those rams are rams that are not on Instagram at all. How big are this fucking no thing? Jesus let me see Christ. What you, let me see what you're looking at. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at dude, too. They, it's bigger than the man. They're huge. Yeah, they're huge. The head is like the size of a man's chest. Wow. They're, they're the biggest rams in the world. And I'm saying all that because my goal is to bring some of the first pictures of ugly rams to Instagram in a way that I do with my big orange sheet. Wow. That's impressive, yeah. man. But that's like out in the middle of the Mongolian mountains, deep snow, like hard to get to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But see, it's things like that. And it's like things like that in my head that I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Like, I, like, I want to be like, walk trudging through snow with like a 40 mile an hour fucking wind drift boom and it's just slamming and like there's snow everywhere and like i want to get that shit on video me taking pictures of these rams like that's how i see myself you know what i mean i see myself yeah i i, I guess i see myself in my own head it's like i have to be 
the superhero for myself. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, and, and I think that for most people, I think that when it comes to success, they don't see themselves that way. I see myself as somebody that can't be beaten in myself. Like I can't let myself be beat by me. Yeah. Cause I always, I think that I, I always go back to this thing where that, somebody said, who is the greatest person that never started? It's not that they didn't start and quit. They just never yeah. even took the steps to even do like, like if they, they could have been the best photographer yeah. or whatever, and they just never even tried. Yeah. And usually yeah. it's, it's you know, our internal self that stops us or we're scared that somebody's going to judge us or, you know, whatever, but yes, yes, exactly. Man, I have, ugh, yeah, man, I, I have done, I have tried everything and anything in my own life because I've never really let myself like get stopped yeah. by myself. You know what I mean? My wife used to get upset when we put that together because she'd be like, what, what, what if they see you? I'm like, I don't give a fuck who sees me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do this for me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a fuck what they think or whatever else is going on. Like, and I've always been that way. Even growing up, my parents would get so mad because I'd be like, I don't care who knows me at this place. You know, my dad would be like, well, I care because you're my son, you know? And like, I don't, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know. Maybe what was I doing? I was being a teenager. Let's put it like that. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. but I was, I, but you know, I was, I was rambunctious. You know what I mean? And, uh, <clears throat> always a good kid, but I was rambunctious. I had to be slapped around a couple of times growing up and rightly, rightfully deserved. Um, but you know, my, my parents were, you know, everybody always around me was always like, be cautious of those around you. And as much as I am a man of respect, I hold myself to a higher standard when it comes to people around me and being respectful to people and respecting people. I won't let myself be brought down because of somebody else not liking the decision I'm making. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I feel this is the right decision, I don't give a fuck what you think. Like, yeah. I'm going to do it. You know, one time, three years, two, three years, two years ago, about the time that I started my photography, I sold everything in my house. Me and my wife bought an RV and we lived in an RV for three months to just do it. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. You know, you're dumb. And like, me and my wife, we laugh because that fucking shit sucked. It was horrible. But I look at it now and I'm like, what a fucking experience, mm. you know? And then I think about all the good times that I actually did have. Yeah. Like, fuck, with my kids going to Oregon. Dude, we went from Montana, drove all the way to Washington, went all the way down the Washington coast, all the way down to Oregon and Northern California, and then came back up to Montana. Hmm. I took my kids everywhere, bro. We've hiked in the fucking, we, 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 we've, we've hiked near fucking uh, uh, Mount Rainier, fucking you know, been been in the fucking rainforest in in Olympic National Park, hang, hung out on the coast, had bonfires in the outside the RV on the coast, right on the water. Like, dude, I've done things with my family that if I had just listened to my mom and fucking dad and her parents being like, "You guys are fucking dumb." <laughs> like now, I sit there and I'm like, dude, look and, and look at me right now. Like I'm doing copacetic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bills are paid, money's in the bank. I'm able to fucking put food on my table, put clothes on my kids back, take care of my wife, take care of myself, keep the lights on, watch some fucking Netflix. You know what I mean? Like, and I had that great experience. That wasn't always easy. It wasn't always, it wasn't always easy. That's what people want. They want, and that's going back to me saying like, people are fucking soft. Mm -hmm. It wasn't always easy. Decisions that you make aren't always going to turn out being easy, but as long as you just do it, then it is what it is. You know, it ain't always going to be pretty. You know, I mean, you know, can you imagine if people were like, oh, yeah, I don't want to go camping in the woods because I don't want to get dirt. Like what? Like you would be able to enjoy the great outdoors if you weren't just willing to just suck it up for a day, yeah. you know, 
or, or, or do something that was out of your comfort zone and being like you said, it, it really is, is a mental thing with like just doing it myself, you know, looking at myself and being like, I'll do it. You know, I've, I've skydived. I've been to combat. I have my youngest son, my, my our youngest son passed away. Oh, it's okay. But I, I'm saying it because he, he was just a couple days old, but I'm saying it because, um, you know, like there is no fucking greater pain. Okay. Than burying your fucking kid. Okay. Yeah. I can tell you that right now. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Oh, I did this. And oh, I, you know, my grandma, my brother, you know, I don't care. You bury a child, you bury your kid. Dude, that's another fucking level, man. Yeah. And I'm saying all this because my life has thrown some just soul crushing curveballs. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I still sit there and I'm like, okay, like we got it. Like, you know, me and my wife tell ourselves, like, I know it's, it's not, it's not to sound cocky, but it's like to keep, to reassure ourselves, to build ourselves up, you know, like, you know, when you were a kid, you ever hear people that are like, oh yeah, my parents are always telling me I was a shitty person or mm-hmm. I was a piece of shit, or I wouldn't do nothing with my life. You know, me and my wife do the same thing to ourselves, but in a positive way. Okay. But me and her do that all all day. You know what I mean? Like so, sometimes I'm like, I'll sit there and she'll be like, she'll like, you're fucking bad. And I'm like, I know, right? And she's like, yeah. She's like, you're you're a bad motherfucker. I'm like, I know, I know. I good. Tell me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good to hear, especially because what's happening is somebody is depositing that positive influence into you. Mm. You know, somebody, somebody, somebody is 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 giving you that that positive buildup so that that then makes you more confident in yourself. It makes you more confident in your decisions. It makes you more confident in making decisions that might be like, Ooh, that's like kind of iffy, but I'm a fucking do it anyways, because I'm a fucking boss. You know what I mean? That's how people have to be with themselves. And that's the way that I take my photography with big orange sheet. You know what I mean? I am fucking better. I will be better. Each picture is fucking better. Every time I go out, I'll push fucking harder. I'll go further. I'll go higher. You know what I mean? And that's why when you look at my pictures, I'm not on the side of the fucking road. I'm not on the side of the road sitting my fucking Dunkin' Donuts and waiting for the fucking Ram or, or, or the fucking Elk to walk across the fucking road. Oh, like, shit. that's how I am. Yeah. See, and it's funny, and it's funny because that's, and, and I laugh too, because it's that mindset, it's, it, it's that mindset for me that puts me where I'm at. Yeah. I am better than you. You know what I mean? I am better than you. And it's not a better than you like of being cocky, but it's like, me telling myself i would never say that to another to another father like i've never met a guy and be like hey what's up man i'm way better than you like yeah. i'm not that kind of guy at all i am not the kind of guy to be like hey you, you know uh, in these ways do i excel you know what i mean my wife always laughs because like when i have conversations with people i don't really get into detail of like my life you know what i mean yeah i do this and i do that but like you know i don't get into details like I, i'm not a one-upper and i don't ever want to be a one-upper i want to be somebody that helps build people you know what I mean? My, my own, my own buildup is with myself. You know what I'm saying? I tell myself like, you are fucking better. You are good. You know what I mean? You can be better, you know? And it's that standard for me that I think has kind of driven me in this kind of direction. And it's a standard that I think a lot of people need to adopt. No, I I completely agree with you, man. There's so many people that they give up on themselves way too easy, you know? Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, why? I mean, we're not here very long. So it's like, why not try to do the most you can with this time we have? 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I didn't like fall into that until I was like in my early, like late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. Like when I, when I got out of the Marine Corps and I was living in California for a little bit, just fucking struggling because it's so fucking expensive, you know, and I'm like, dude, I fucking hate this place. It isn't what I want in my own life. You know, being in California, it was always like, I, I my wife, since I, she's known me, you know, which is now 13 years, you know, she's like, you know, since day one, I've always been like, God, I just want to be in the fucking mountains. Like, I just want to go to the fucking mountains. I just want to be in the woods, you know, because growing up in Ohio, it's not really the woods, but you know, it's flat land and. I grew up hunting a lot. It was mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. You know? And so finally moving to California and then North Carolina, Camp Lejeune, and then California again with Camp Pendleton, you know, I was in places where hunting isn't like a super huge thing, you know, especially in Southern California, you know? So I've wanted what I've wanted for a while, you know? And it was like, if I could just, all of a sudden, like my mind kind of changed when I hit my late twenties, early thirties, it was like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm just going to go. So I picked my family up. We moved Montana. Like we're out. You know what I mean? Like I, we just fucking left. You know, I knew one friend here. You know what I mean? And that was it. And it was just a movement. And that has been by far the best decision I ever made in my life. And I and I left with like, fuck, dude. man. If you could dude, bottle that and sell it pocket. to people, you'd be a billionaire. <laughs> no doubt, for <laughs> dude, sure, man. Right <laughs> the mindset. Dude, it's, yeah, it, it, and it's just. And it's like you, you know, it's like, like I never. I, and even like what you told me about like your foot, like you're still doing all this shit that most people that are completely able body are not fucking doing. Yeah. You know, yes. it's just like, fuck man. Yeah. Like it's just like, yeah. it really it's, makes you sit back and think like, I always see videos of like kids that have like some disability or they're doing something yeah. or people that missing a limb and they're out hustling and, yeah. you know, doing shit. And it's like, fuck man. Like I'm being lazy. It's yeah. like, if somebody else can yeah. do it, why it, it, can't I? And I have all of my faculties, you know? It's it, it's the drive, man. You know, yeah. some people like just, you know, sometimes you got to cultivate it. You know what I mean? You got to make it something. And then other times you just got to be like, that's it. Yeah. Like, and that's why I was saying a lot of the times it's just me talking to myself. Yeah. You know, I, I know what I can do. I'm proud of what I've done and where I've been and all the shit that I've been through in my life. Now that I look at it now, because I look at it with a different mindset. Um, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it's just, I mean, you know, if you can just cultivate that kind of an achieving mindset, I think that it would change for a lot of people what they do in their lives. You know, it's okay to fail. That's, yeah. that's where people fuck up. It's, it's okay to not do things right. It's okay to take shitty pictures. It's okay to lose your fucking job. It's okay to get kicked out of your house. Dude, I was homeless one time. You know, I've not always had money and I'm not going to say I have money now, but I'm able to take care of my family comfortably. But I will say that, you know, for me, for me, it's, you know, one of those things where it's just, it's okay to fail. And if you're okay with failing, then life's okay. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Either way. So how did you, I got a question. Like I was looking at your videos. How do you, do you use a drone for some of your stuff and are you using like a GoPro or is that a camera? Yeah. So, so so I use a drone for some of my stuff. I have my camera. And then other times, man, because because my wife is just as uh my wife is as determined as I am, she's actually with me. Oh, okay. Wow. Cause like your yeah. video, I saw one you're like climbing down like a hill and it kind of looks like uh like VR-ish. So what are you using for that? Is that a GoPro? I'm down a hill. Like you're walking down like the side of like a cliff. Uh it says I guess I will find out is the title of the video. You see your legs and your feet. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's me. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I have a, a GoPro on. How did you get the quality look so fucking good on this, man? 
Uh, so, so, so you gotta, you gotta adjust the noise. <clears throat> so, so like the, um, so like the noise in the video, right? So you take a video and it has like the ISO. Uh-huh. So if the ISO is, if the ISO is really high, you're going to get what's called noise. Mm. Man, there's so much <laughs> shit I do not know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those videos, those videos are fucking okay. impressive, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so what I, what you do is you got to take out the noise from the ISO. And so what that does is that gives you a cleaner picture. Ah. What, yeah. What, so, so like it, so what version GoPro like are you the, using? It's a nine, a Hero Nine. But then I also use my phone a lot too. But that one specifically is a GoPro. Man, that's awesome. and even your your what kind of phone are you using? It's the thirteen Pro Max. Damn. What kind of phone, what kind of phone <laughs> but, do you have? But, okay, okay, okay. Hold a, on, hold on. I think I have a twelve. But, but like, but like the main videos are done with an actual camera, like an a for real camera, like yeah. my actual camera, which is a full frame camera. So shooting in 4K at like 60 frames or 120 if it's in slow motion. Man, that's but yeah, awesome. Like a real cinema camera. I want to have you back on, man. Like I said, uh, yeah. You've been this has been really yeah, informational yeah. Uh, and informative information. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> we always ask people uh, when we end the podcast, um, what's your mark you want to leave on the world, and what's your advice for people? Oh, what's the mark that I want to leave on the world? Um, the mark that I want to leave on the world is probably would be the same advice that I would, it would probably be a piece of advice to be honest with you. And it would just be, don't let the world beat you down. Mm. Like it's okay. It's okay to fail. You know, it's okay to quit, but it's only okay. If you keep trying, that'd probably be the one thing that I would say. I like that. So where can, uh, where can people find you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram at in these mountains, and if you are looking for more information and you want to get uh, more in contact with me, you can go to my website at davidmartinezphotography.biz and the contact page has my personal email. All right. I appreciate your time. Thank you so man. much, man. This is uh, really, really good, man. Like you, like I said, you have yeah, a, yeah, you have a, you have an impressive story, man. And you're a well, wealth thanks, of guys. information. Yeah. Like <laughs> what you were telling me about the Rams and uh, yeah, just, all that. I had no idea, you know. <laughs> And, well, then thanks. We, I and, appreciate then learned, and then we learned a, a, a new thing. Get it out, man. Come on. We uh, learned a new thing. Uh, what is a pog? Oh, I need to ask. Oh, pog. Pog. Pogue. Pogue. I'm I, like, you fucking pog? Pog is a fat what, ass girl or something. <laughs> oh, like that, that. No, that, no, that's pog. That's pog. No, P- pog. Oh, yeah. Fat no, ass no, no, girl. Not, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I know what pog. you're saying. I know what you're saying. But like what <laughs> Raul said is something completely different. Oh, no. You watch too much porn, David. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this has been fun man um yeah, yeah, like I, said, yeah for sure. I, I appreciate it like i said whenever you have some free time again just uh i'll have raul reach out to you again on instagram and then maybe we can okay. set up another thing to talk a little bit longer um cool yeah man sounds good all right man i appreciate it thanks a lot bro uh, yeah all i right. appreciate it guys thank you so much all right bye <laughs>